Welcome to Oh No Not Them. I'm your host, Eric Stroll. Along with me, as always, is my cohort, my co-host, my co-conspirator, the consigliere, Bill Solt. Bill, how are you? I'm doing great. You are the Parker Lewis to my Zach Morris. Parker Lewis can't... Hey, he can't lose, okay? <laughs> he, was a, he was a poor man's Ferris Bueller. Very poor man's Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Very poor. Okay, so if you haven't figured out already by that obscure as shit reference, we're going to stick on last week's topic of TV shows. It's TV time part two. Or yeah. No, we did yeah for movies. Yes, yeah, yeah. So you have to do Zwei. Zwei. Okay, all right. We'll go German on this one. Yep. Shout out to our uh, listener in Germany. One listener? Eins. That's Eins. 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 Probably. Eins listener. Probably. D. Probably four. Hello. <laughs> no, we're not rolling a one. We're not rolling a one D four here. We're not rolling a one D four. That's a future show. All right. Yeah. Where do you want to go with this? With what? The, the topic itself? The topic I itself. Think, I think we stopped on theme songs. Okay. So we'll start on theme songs. Right. The theme song in my estimation and my opinion is the one that matters. No. Yes. The theme song for the TV show, in my opinion, is a lost art. Oh, definitely. Holy shit, you have an opinion that is not wrong. Well, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's the, the theme songs, I think, were good in the in the 80s. Yes. In the 90s, they started, you know, but then again, TV in the 90s was going that way, too. Okay. And now they're just non-existent almost. Right. I mean, the only TV... so The, the only TV themes that I can think of like currently that resonate at all are the CSI shows which are all done by the who mm, yeah and law and order is that the same theme song that's been going on for years uh, on SVU yeah the one for Star Trek Discovery is a very good one because it's a nice throwback to the original Star Trek okay it starts off with those notes and then really kind of goes off okay What's uh? What are some of your favorite themes from the past? From the past, well, definitely like Dukes of Hazard. The Dukes of Hazard. Was, oh, Waylon. Yeah, yes. Waylon Jennings was was such a was such a fun one. Told you everything you need to know about the episodes, uh-huh. and you were good to go. Other than that, the instrumental ones from, of course, Star Trek: The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, Sliders had an interesting one. Max Headroom. Yeah, those yeah. were good. But but did none of them really did this the storytelling ones. Uh, I mean, are, are are like far. Of course, the Munsters was a great one. Yeah, you know? I, I mean that that was that they captured the feel of the show. Yeah, I mean when they captured the feel of the show in lyrics or in in you know, um, I'm not gonna say that. Believe it or not, walking on air one because oh, dude, the greatest American hero. I, that was a great theme song. It was an okay theme song for an okay show. Oh, you are you disappoint me. No, I, I, like I said, there was a point when it was like some theme songs. Three, three's company is somewhat unlistenable anymore. What about Bosom Buddies? Billy Joel. Yes, well, that, my life. Yeah, that wasn't so much of a theme song though, because it was just a song. But it was the theme song for the entire run of the show. Yeah, ergo a theme song. <sighs> yes, but <laughs> technically, technically. But it wasn't, it wasn't something that was written for the show, like Silver Spoons. Uh, that was. Uh, it just popped into my brain. I don't know why. 
I don't know why either. It's just, it's just sometimes... I'm kind of disappointed. I could have picked everything from Mr. Belvedere. You couldn't have gone different strokes, could you? Oh, no, that was a good song. Or Good Times. Good Times, another good song. I actually found the album from Marvin Gaye that that backdrop is from. Oh, really? Yes, I have it. What about the theme song from The Young Ones? Brilliant. I mean, a Cliff Richards song punked out. Yes. Just, just what it needed. That, 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 it, it's, a, it's a great theme. I love it. I always will. The theme for Monty Python's Flying Circus is another all-time classic. Liberty Bell March kind of redone. Yep. What about, what's your, what's your thoughts on the theme from MASH? Boring. See, I, I, I kind of got to agree because I'm a fan of the movie as well as the TV show. And knowing the original song, Suicide is Painless, mm-hmm. and hearing how they make it so cheery and happy in the TV show, I'm like, that's not how the song is supposed to be. I did not think that was cheery at all. I thought that was one of those like almost like adult contemporary, which is like what a lot of those shows were at the time where they would just have like, you know, your Simon and Simon. You know, where, where the theme songs were just like this this almost radio-friendly, John Tesh-sounding, you know... Don't you... Do not besmirch the good goddamn name of John Tesh in my presence. I didn't mean it, like, terrible, but it's like... It's that, you know, like, freaking Yanni and stuff, Let, man. Listen, Mush! <laughs> You're gonna talk about John Tesh and Yanni around here. We're gonna have a problem. All right, all right. But we were talking about good theme songs. Yo, Live at the Acropolis oh. is a masterpiece. Of what? What? Okay, uh... Three with that one, didn't I? Yeah, because I have no idea if it was Yanni or John Tesh you're defending. It was Yanni. It's like Zamfir and his pan flute. You don't fuck with it. Hmm. Now we've we've gone into 80s infomercials. <laughs> For As, the- all right, put the shake weight down. I know you have one. Put it- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I bought it after watching the South Park episode. <laughs> uh, and for the record, no, I do not. Have, <laughs> I do not listen to John Tesh or Yanni. <laughs> I just have. It's going to be one of those shows, folks. It's going to be one of those shows. Yeah, it, if it pops into my head, it's just gonna. It's just gonna come out. I don't know why I was thinking of John Tesh. I have an idea why you were thinking of John Tesh. You his, have you have no idea why I was thinking of His him. hair was spectacular. If I don't know why I was thinking of John Tesh. His hair was spectacular. You were a big fan of entertainment tonight, weren't you? Is that where he was from? Yes. Why well, well, I know he did a bit part on Star Trek. Yes, he did. So that's the only I, I didn't know where entertainment tonight came from. Yeah, John Tesh was a host of that. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch any of that. Dirty lies. Oh, they are not dirty lies. It's all dirty lies. It's all dirty if, lies. If it came out between 92 and 2000, I was not in front of a TV. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. We'll go with that answer, pal. What was the what was the run of Star Trek The Next Generation? The computer wants to <laughs> ask you a question. What was the run? I don't I think it was 88 to 96? Ah, aha. Before, I wasn't in front of a computer for, or a TV from 92 to 2000. Pretty much I wasn't. I mean. Lies. It wasn't lies, man. Lies. I, I really didn't see Deep Space Nine until way after it was on the air. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. <sighs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I've thrown him for a loop. No, no. I used to think that you know, you know, we were like the male version of the Golden Girls. But you know, I'm starting to rethink that. Okay. So you know what? You know, thank you for being a friend. All right, but you know what? I don't need that kind of friend. <laughs> you need more friends like me. Everybody needs more friends like me. How did we go from theme songs to this? We never like left theme songs. It just it was there. It just became a rant. Yeah. Oh. No, it didn't. Oh, well, a rant about what? Well, uh, kind of like, everything becomes a rant. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're you're a very argumentative person. Excuse me. I didn't stutter. <laughs> You're a very argumentative person. I'm I'm calm and passive. Okay. Married with Children had a good theme song. <laughs> yes, it did. The great great Frank Sinatra. Love and Marriage. Yep. It was a total departure from the show. You knew it was coming on. Yeah. Uh what about like the theme song for like In Living Color? That was all right. I I got I gotta say, I thought it was well, I I was barely into hip hop at the time. Okay. So it was it was a bit jarring, but it didn't matter because it was that that was the way the show was. That was safe hip hop though. Yeah, it was like Belle Biv DeVoe. Ooh. PM Dawn. Ooh. <laughs> That's an even deeper cut. Yeah, I didn't think I knew all that stuff. Ooh. Huh? PM Dawn. Oh, I'm trying to think of what PM Dawn's big song was. They had like they were like they had like one hit. Potholes in my lawn. What about Ah, uh, now you see there you're going you went down this rabbit hole a little bit. What about the Urban Dance Squad? Uh was that Shakes It Like a White Girl? Uh deeper deeper shade deeper, of soul. Deeper shade of soul. Yeah. That one I, I absolutely I, I enjoy that one. Yes, that's good tune. It's like their one hit. Yep. And the video I believe was at like the skate in a pool. Yep. You could have taken that video, literally, stripped out the audio. Put a suicidal tendency song behind the video, and it would have worked. It would have fit perfectly. Yep. Or, or you could have put a CKY song behind it, and Bam Margera could have released it. Yeah, I mean that that whole skate park in a pool. Where do they they find these abandoned pools to skate in? Uh, usually just an empty pool at an abandoned house in Southern California, or a vacant <laughs> house in Southern California. Uh see. Uh, that's just, I mean, how do, how do they just say, hey, there's a pool. But the pools are always, every pool I ever knew was like just like straight down to the bottom. You can't go skating in it. You can if you know what you're doing. There's no ramps. Who's designing these pools for these skaters to just drop in? They're, uh, you've never been on a skateboard. You wouldn't understand. I was a skater. No, you weren't. I was. You, you you weren't. Could you ever even ollie? I I could maybe. The look on his face <laughs> right now is priceless. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen your six foot gangly ass on a skateboard once. I what? Do you remember when they had the half pipe down by the basketball court before it got trashed? Do I remember it? Me and Roush built that some bitch. Oh, good. Because I was actually on that once or twice before it got trashed. You know, I remember just dropping in and then flying off the edge. Yeah. You know, at that point, the I knew, court, the quarter pipe, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mike and I built at that. that point. I realized that maybe skating wasn't for me. Yeah. Mike and I built that. Okay. Uh, it was uh, it was originally behind where he lived on Lehigh 
in the alley there. Right. And then we moved it down to the basketball courts. And then... Uh, it didn't last long. No, I know it got destroyed. Yeah, the borough destroyed it. Oh, I thought it was just some vandals like yourself. No, we never vandalized our own shit. I didn't know, I didn't know it was yours. <laughs> yeah, Roush and I built that. Yeah. Yeah, I went down that one time and realized, eh, this skating thing, and eh, it's not for me. Yeah. You're you're about as coordinated as as a three legged fucking gopher. Of all the animals you could you could pick, I'm coming up with that on the fly. I'm sorry. Speaking of skating, Jackass had a good theme song too. Yes, it did. You know, I'm kind of surprised they didn't use something by CKY for that. Probably licensing. What's to license? It was Bam's brother's band. I know. Well, the. Is all licensing involved? Everybody yeah. got to have their cut. There's, well, no, there's no way. I'm sure that I'm sure that Spike Jones and Jeff Tremaine would have been happy to cut Jess Margera mm. in. I, I mean, considering that the entire premise of Jackass was ripped off from Bam anyway. Not entirely. Entirely. He, he was brought into the fold. And no, no. If you watch the first three CKY videos, which I have upstairs, yeah, I've, I've, I know what you mean, and, and it's a lot of a lot of Bam stuff. It's it's Jackass before Jack before Johnny Knoxville got involved. The only connection was Johnny Knoxville was at Big Brother Skateboard magazine. But like I said, it's probably a license music. It always comes down to licensing. That's why all this you know the dumb shit happens. What about the Beavis and Butthead theme song? I tried for the longest time to learn that on guitar. Mike Judge has fingers that I can't figure how they work. I think he has six fingers. I really do. There's no way to pull that off with a normal hand. What about possibly uh, an, alter- a, an alternate tuning? Did you ever think of that? I went by the tabs on Olga. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who uses Olga? No, nobody anymore. They've long shut down. But well, That goes to show you. But no, they were good at the time. You download, you download your tabs. I'm sorry. Not every one of us can have a musical ear like yourself. Well, I, I used to download tabs, too, from from the online guitar archive. <laughs> but then I discovered, like, Tabcrawler and UltimateGuitar.com. Yeah, I think Ultimate Guitar just took over. I thought they just took over Olga. <clears throat> I think they did. Yeah. The MTV shows had usually had some pretty decent theme songs. Yeah, all of them. All of them pretty much did. That was the one thing you could say about those. They, I mean, they, they took the song, whatever it was, fit whatever that show was supposed to be. Well, yeah, you would think that would be kind of a standard thing. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I mean, we've there's been there have been bad themes on what you don't even remember them. I know your I I could tell just by looking at you your favorite theme song of all time. Well, I told you what it was, so it's not like you could actually read my mind. You hit rewind. You lie. I said no. You lied. You lied. I don't lie. Your favorite theme song of all time is "I'll Be There for You." I don't like the show. I was not into that. That was one piece of 90s that I wasn't into. I've never watched an episode of Friends, ever. I think at that point, I was probably hanging out at the coffee shop with the, the goth kids reading poetry. What? It was a weird time in my life, okay? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. You know what? I can't even do that. I can't, no. I can't even. I can't. Okay, I, I just can't. Okay, you remember... You remember the the coffee? Well, okay, you remember the pool hall in Jim Thorpe? Yes. Okay, that became a coffee shop. Okay. All right. Now the Molly's was right across the street at the time. All right. All right. Well, me and somebody, we'll call him Steve because it was Steve. We, <laughs> <laughs> we were at the Molly's. Okay. And you know, 
we were drinking and we decided, okay, let's go find something else to do. We wandered into this coffee shop where they were having an open mic thing. Poetry slam. Yeah. Well, kind of, but it it was an open mic. It was it was a lot of angsty teen, you know, teens or or 20 something. I don't know how old they were. Okay. But everyone was of age to drink and all that. And nice people after I met them, but it was like just a bunch of angst-ridden people. And doing poetry about how the life sucks. I cut myself so my outer pain will match my inner pain. Things like that, yeah. yeah. So so Steve and I decided to do some of our song lyrics as poetry. And it really kind of fit in. Okay. Next thing you know, we're running the open mic. <laughs> that was a mistake. And uh, I got to just hang out with some of the most eclectic people that were out there. Hmm. I mean, it, it, like opened the, it opened my eyes to a whole new different... like. like what time frame is this? Uh, I'm thinking 96 or 7. Okay, so I was still in the service. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, uh, it, it got to be a lot of fun. I would have liked to have been around for that. Yeah, and it was, you know, there was some, some like I said, really just off-the-wall people. Yeah. That once you get beyond the poetry that they're putting out there, I mean, it was just this this wonderful this wonderful mix. Nice. I would have liked to have been. I would have liked to have been around for that. Yeah, and I call it like my goth period. I think. I think. <laughs> I think I would have enjoyed that. It was fun for a time. You know, I've always wished my grass were emo so it would cut itself. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't. See, they weren't all emo. That was the thing, though. But it was. There was. Uh, like I said, just like the, and and the weirdest part is that some the, the one of the people that was there ran into her, and you'll be surprised. And I ran into her. This was. About 10 years ago, I ran into her, though. But she acted like she didn't know me, which kind of hurts because it's like I hung out at your house. I mean, everybody in that circle was like was, was all friends. And it's like all of a sudden you don't know me. I, that just seemed weird. Were you there when they were doing light as a feather, stiff as a board? Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Uh, Yes. There, <laughs> there was a trio of Wiccans. OK. That was there all the time. Yeah. And they, they introduced me to the Emporium down the street. OK. You know, and things like that. Just like a whole whole different way outside of anything that I knew from high school. So this was before Jim Thorpe turned into a total tourist trap. Yes. Uh, yeah. This I'm is a- when you could find parking on Broadway. Whoa. You know, the last time I did anything fun in Jim Thorpe was the final show ECW ever ran at Flagstaff. That was a good that was a good night. That was the night I almost got beat up by Stevie Richards. Nice. Yeah. Now, of all people. Well, I asked to take I asked to take his picture, and he's like, "No, no, I gotta go, I gotta go." So he starts walking away. I said, "Stevie," he turns around, he snapped the picture, he fucking came after me. The blue meanie had to stop him. Jesus, yeah, good night, good times. Yeah, I've, I go to Jim Thorpe. We go, we would go um, around the um, St. Patrick's Day to see the Tartan Terrors. Yeah, we've done the train ride with the kids, but oh my god, that, that place is just overrun. With with that's and that's why I have this thing against tourists. It's because of Jim Thorpe. Yeah, I mean, I would like for them to just come to the border, drop off their money, and leave. That's a horrible thing to say. Why? No, they can drop off their money. We can use the revenue in the county. Yes, but leave. You got a problem with New Yorkers, New Jerseyites? Yeah, yeah, yes. My wife's a New Yorker, pal. They don't know how to follow traffic signals. Oh, so you're saying what happened to my wife yesterday was her fault. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the people. Just, we had to go through there not too long ago. <laughs> okay? 
And this woman starts walking out in front of Lisa's car. And then, like, saying, can I go? Can I go? And Lisa's like, no, you're not in a crosswalk. You don't get the right of way. And she just walks in front of the car. Well, then she therefore created her own right of way. Kind of like what happened to my wife yesterday. Yeah, but but there are crosswalks there. There are rules and for reasons. Why don't they follow the rules? Not all of them are like that. You know, you don't see that much in town here. I don't generalize like that. You shouldn't be that way. Oh, the look I'm getting right now. <laughs> it's not generalizing. <laughs> Stereotypes <Okay>. are bad. <laughs> and if we're, while we're on the subject of crosswalks, let me throw another one out there for you locally. Okay? Okay, you got the gym rats that go up the splains. Okay. Okay? That have to cross across a busy traffic to get from the parking lot into splains. You're going to a gym. Okay? Warm up a little bit. Walk to the crosswalk. Whoa. It, that that's gonna throw off their whole. That's gonna throw off their whole routine. No, no, they're gonna warm up because they're gonna be in the gym before they go. You know, lugging around the weights, go walk down the street, cross properly, walk back up. Hey, your warm up's done, and now you can go sweat on the rowing machine. Wow. Well, you know, there was a dude who was actually hit and killed. I know. A few. Uh, just I know, and that's not even a year ago. And but you know, also the person that hit him was drunk. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I mean, but still. Crossing, you know, in the middle of the road is dangerous. I don't blame him. I'm not victim blaming because, you know, it was it was sad no matter what happens. Yeah. But that's what crosswalks are for. You cross at the crosswalks. You cross at the crosswalks. You know, this enti- the, the entire premise of this show has gone completely off the rails. <laughs> that wasn't my fault. <laughs> no, but you went along for the ride, didn't you? <laughs> didn't you? So do you want to just freeform this? Well, I mean, we could try to get us back on track. While we're at it, I'll tell you a couple funny stories since we're way off topic. Okay. This weekend, we had our Thanksgiving. Okay. Because the wife worked on Thanksgiving, and I had to work on Black Friday. So we delayed it for two days. And was my job this year for two things. Make the gravy and get the wine. So, (laughs) So, first we'll start with the gravy. Okay. Uh, I never made gravy before, so I went on the internet looking for some recipes. Found some commonalities and figured I could wing this. All right? So I did a half a cup of flour, a quarter cup of flour, a quarter cup of butter, poured in two cups of drippings. Okay. And it was so runny. Oh, badly runny. And then, in an instant, it hardened like cement. You don't you don't know how roux works, do you? No, I do not know how the roux works. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you a little pro tip. There's an easier way to make gravy, okay? You take your drippings. This is cooking tips with Uncle Eric. You take your drippings and you put them in your saucepan, okay? Water them down ever so slightly, all right? And then instead of doing the roux before you put the the, the drippings in, right? Make a cornstarch slurry. Okay. Cornstarch and water. That'll thicken it up. You don't have to cook the flour taste out of it. That's for... People like you, what got no cooking skills? I've never made gravy before. Now, the second thing. I decided to pick up some gas station wine. At Sheets? At Sheets. (laughs) Single serve gas station wine for $3. (laughs) So I got three of them. Let me tell you. Gas station wine tastes exactly 
as you would think. Did you chill it? Yeah. Yeah. The and I, I'm gonna butcher this name, but it was like it like Sauve Cabernet, whatever it was. Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Tasted like medicine. All right. The Merlot, little silent T on the end of it there, tasted had a metallic aftertaste. It tasted like I was chewing on tin foil. The white Zinfandel. Yeah, I drank all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the white Zinfandel was was quite surprising, and then it hit you with the aftertaste that it honestly tasted like somebody sprayed me in the nose with hot sauce. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can that's the only way I can describe it. It was like it. Wait, wait, wait! It tasted like somebody sprayed no, well, you in like, the nose with hot, well, hot sauce. Yeah, but like I couldn't like I didn't taste hot sauce, but like my nose started running for some odd reason, like somebody like you know, and it was like this like almost like this. Weird heatness. I don't know what it was. Probably antifreeze. Who knows? <laughs> don't buy wine at a gas station. Don't buy wine for three dollars a cup. There's, I mean, that's cheaper than most beer. Nasty. <laughs> I I've seen it. I I with with my job, I do a lot of traveling, and Sheets is a frequent stop. Uh, I mean, they got everything you want. They got food. They've got uh, gas. What what more could you need? As a traveler, Sheets is like one stop shopping. I frequent a lot of sheets. I've seen the single serve cups of wine <laughs> and I have said to myself, that's a bad fucking idea. <laughs> that's a bad fucking idea. Yep. Yep. But you know what? I do these things so other people don't have to. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put my body on the line for the public. So, so they well, know. it's no big loss if you're putting so, your body on the line. So they know. So they know. Hey, so somebody, you know, in the future could be, hey, there's there's some wine there. Should we get it? No. I heard things. I, I, I mean, I have seen some like reputable wine bottles in sheets because like they're selling beer and they're selling wine. Yeah, now. That's a bait and switch right there. That's what that tactic is. <laughs> what, that they sell reputable wine by the bottle, but shit by the cup? Yeah, well, you see, no one wants to buy wine by a bottle. Why not? Well, think about it, right? You go to a bar. When you did go to a bar, right? Right? Did you sit and order by the pitcher, or did you order by the glass? Huh? I always ordered by the pitcher. No, why would you order by the pitcher? Now, you see, now you're just you, you, you're, because you're lying to me now. No, no, I can verify this. Uh, let me call Vic Isaac. I can verify this because we used to go to a place in Panama City, Panama called My Place. Every Friday night was $7 drink and drown. All you could drink for 7 bucks. Now keep in mind this is in Panama in like 1994. Okay? The economy has possibly changed if My Place is even open anymore. Me, Bo Broussard, Vic Isaac, um, Steve Barnes, Jay Reeves, Various sun, uh, Ray Fosberg, various sundry people, what I ran with, <laughs> would go into my place on Friday night. We would pay our $7, and the bartender would see us coming and would just start tapping pitchers of Atlas and hand us the pitchers, and we would drink from the pitcher all night long. Yeah, well, that's an outlier. That's an outlier. Normal people in a normal bar in normal America. Don't do that. It wasn't in America. It was in Panama. And we were soldiers. We weren't normal. That Exactly. That You can't use that as a thing. Yes, I can. It's my story. I'm sticking to it. 
I mean, the one time I did something like that was at, I think it was called The Rose or something like that, in Rutgers University. Oh, University Bars. Oh, greatest places. But we got a pitcher of kamikazes. Okay. I just drank the whole pitcher. Oh, I used to do that at mugshots all the time, but not kamikazes. I would drink pitchers and pitchers of Red Death. In fact, the, the, the New Year's night, the, the New Year's Eve, where I got banned from your house and we weren't allowed to be friends for two years, I drank nine, nine or ten pitchers of oh, Red Death that, that night. That, that's, that's even above me. I only drank the Southern Comfort when Dave came in. Had nobody paid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't play. I didn't pay when Blaine was bartending either. Yeah. Some bartenders didn't like me, or didn't care to like me, or didn't need to like me. I. There's a lot of people in general that don't like you. Yeah. Well, you know, some bartenders did, and I tipped them well. But you didn't tip Blaine well, did you? Oh, I tipped. I tipped them all well, except the, and I don't remember the guy's name, but he was a, he was just a. a, a Terrible human being that worked there. Bald dude? No. No. He looked like Damone from uh, Fast Times at Richmond High. Justin? I don't know. Cunic? Yeah. No, what's a Cunic? I know it wasn't him. The only other bartender I can think of there would have been Bob. I don't remember his name, but he was just so, he was such a sleaze. A yeah. sleaze in mugshots. Yeah, I you're mean, joking. I could I could sit there dying of thirst, right? But like, but every woman that came in with a tight shirt on was getting drinks left and right in them. Nah, really? No, 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 wrong. That's not the way you do service. Okay. If you're trying to get laid, it is. <sighs> but really, 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 sleazy individuals frequenting mugshots. Say it ain't so. Wasn't as bad as one of T Rexes. This is true. I mean, the the decor on the ceiling. <laughs> T Rexes T Rexes was a interesting establishment, but mug shots. I if of all the bars of all the bars I could ever bring back, would be the original mug shots. Oh yeah, that was just a fun time. Yeah. But we could ne- I, we could never have a place like that again. I think honestly, I think the reason mugshots was so great was like, I mean, you had the Hotz brothers doing the uh, the DJing constantly. Okay. The layout was perfect. Yeah, all black. What mugshots it was all black. Later on, it was when um, what's his name? Oh shit, he Stony. Was, Stony. I knew it was. I knew it was not an actual name, but when he he drew that on the. On the back wall. Yeah, the... Uh, the but before before the, that, I thought it was mirrors. At one point, yes. Yeah. That was that was the throwback from the T-Rex days. But then Dave painted everything black. Yeah, yeah, eventually. And it, I mean, the, yeah, the layout to me was perfect. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, of course, he ripped out the tables and kept changing it and changing it. But at that point, you know, bars were kind of going by the wayside. They, you know, I think all the bars that we knew... Are mostly all gone. The only one left is Joey B's, and that's yeah. not so much a bar anymore as it is a restaurant. Nope. And a fantastic restaurant, by the way. Yeah. Oh, very good restaurant. Oh, get the Camburger. Oh my God. Best eats in town. Yeah. He doesn't even have to pay me to say that. It's a wonderful burger. Uh, dude, I've never, I've never ever had a bad meal oh. at Joey B's. And the hot honey wings. The hot honey wings. Oh. Uh, 
Oh, his his uh, lobster bisque is to die for. That I haven't had yet. Dude, the lobster bisque is unbelievable. Oh. It's got like a spicy Cajun kick to it. <laughs> Mint. Oh. Chip Salt. Owner and proprietor, <laughs> Joey B's. Best Eats in Pomerton. We really diverted pretty far from Thieves. Yes, we, we have. I mean, I... <laughs> Yes, we have. Should we just keep do- going with this stream of consciousness thing? What else do we have? Who's your favorite stand-up comedian? Funny you should ask that. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I've been watching a lot of um, uh, British comedians. Okay. I've been. It's hard to say, like, my favorite stand-up. I, honestly, the person that, that just met is Raymond the Amish comic. Raymond's great. I love. I loved him for years on ZZO, and when I finally saw him live, when he is allowed to curse. He is he is hilarious. Yeah, I got I saw him up uh in the upstairs of the of the Hunky Club. Yep. And I got to see him at the Blue Monkey. Oh, okay. And a couple other places too. Yeah, uh, Raymond's good. Yeah, he is Raymond's hel- real good. He is hilarious. I I watch a lot of British comedians, um like James A Caster, okay? Um David Mitchell, Lee Mack. You know, like I I just love British. I love British comedy. My uh, my go to has always been George Carlin. To me, Carlin was the ultimate wordsmith. Oh yeah, and 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 political satirist. Carlin was just absolutely brilliant. Like he could skewer anything and everybody in such a way that was just mind boggling, bogglingly good. Yeah, I think a lot of that came later in his career, like after like the Where's My Stuff. Yeah, because I have a lot of his like uh, earlier ones, like Toledo Window Box, Class Clown, yeah, and Wally Laszlo, and he's still funny, but it wasn't that I think. Like I said, it, there was a different spectrum to his comedy, and later, very later on in his career, he got very ranty. <laughs> oh my, do you think? Yeah, <laughs> do you think? What's your take on have uh, What's your take on uh, like the trajectory that Eddie Murphy's career took? Well. I'm I'm kind of happy the way I mean what what he did I mean he, you know he uh, did Saturday Night Live, Delirious came along and just like skyrocketed him because, you know no one had heard that type of comedy, that was like totally like not new because Lenny Bruce did stuff like that Richard Pryor did stuff like that well he admitted to ripping off Pryor yeah but but then of course Eddie Murphy not only was a comedian he was also Beverly Hills Cop right. So he had all these outlets and just became, you know, the the biggest star. I mean, he's like he's like Tom Hanks. Everybody has an Eddie Murphy movie they like somewhere. Yeah. You know, he's and he's made some bad ones. But do you think? Yeah, but I mean, but everybody has there's something. I mean, I mean, uh, let's see. Coming to America. Brilliant. Yep. The but all the Beverly Hills cops. Good stuff. Uh, what was the other one that was like Beverly Hills Cop but but wasn't? I'm trying to think. I don't know. Yeah, they were, they were very similar in the vein. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's one of those that'll come to me, and I'm sure somebody's shouting it right now. <laughs> Probably Jim Miller. Yeah, because I I can't. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we get. You know, do you do you get fact checked a lot by people? Only by Jim. Okay. Good, because it ain't just me. Well, no, they don't. Fact, nobody fact checks me because, of course, my facts are always right. But they keep telling. Are me, you shitting me? But no, I keep getting these things. Hey, Eric said this and it's wrong. Eric said this and it's wrong. Eric, well, tell Eric that. Well, who's saying this? I'm not. Ta- I, I'm not naming names. 
I'm not naming names. You always shall remain anonymous because if there's anything I enjoy hearing, it's how Eric was wrong. <laughs> I want to know who and, this and is. And I'm going to tell you right hey, now. Hey, gonna, I have the right to confront and, my accuser. And I'm going to tell you right now, I hear him wrong so many times and I keep my mouth shut just to keep the flow going because if I sat here correcting him the whole time, that would be a whole show in of itself. You can't correct me. <laughs> anyway. I demand, an, I demand to face my back, accuser. Back to Eddie Murphy. <laughs> no, and then, of course, with the Shreks, the Daddy Daycares, Doolittle. Was it Doolittle was, or the Clumps? The Clumps one. Yeah, the Nutty Professor. That might have been, and with, with Eddie Murphy, is like he gets to play tons of characters in his films. But he's had a few stinkers up there. But now that he's kind of like, you know, I do wish, I'm glad he, he um, buried the hatchet with Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Although, I'll be honest, I know that it was David Spade that originally made that wedge there, and I kind of wish that right after he buried the hatchet with Saturday Night Live, David Spade would have come on and just put it right back in. Oh, did uh, was that, that was something Spade did with on Hollywood Update, Minute. Or yeah. Hollywood Minute. He did a Hollywood Update. Minute, and... And pretty much Eddie Murphy got mad, called Lauren Michaels and said, you know, how can you let this happen and all that? And Lauren Michaels says, it's just comedy. That was it. You know, he was done with SNL. Hmm. Wouldn't even, you know, in interviews, wouldn't acknowledge he was on it. Wouldn't talk about it. Nothing. That's uh, kind of immature. Diva. Yeah, very diva Yeah, but I mean, honestly, I mean, I yeah, Eddie Murphy at that, like I said, he was one of those that he made so much money. You know, but he did keep his SNL commitments while he was making money in the movies and the comedy. Yeah. He was on SNL during Delirious. Yeah. Or was it Raw? One of them. Was it Delirious or Raw? I think Delirious was the first one. Yeah, Delirious was first. Raw came second. Yeah. But he was he was still on SNL and, and wrote out his contract, which it says something good. But then, of course, David Spade, he was being David Spade. Yeah. You know. Uh, his his whole thing with Hollywood Minute was he was a smarmy prick. Yeah, and that's, well, that's, honestly, that's been every character he's done. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're kind of right. Um, you know, so, I mean, it honestly should have been, it's, you know, but like Lauren Michael said, it's just comedy. You know, it's like he didn't, he it's like he didn't, like, back Eddie up on it. What do you expect to do, fire Spade? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are people that would have liked for that to happen. Yeah. All right, let me ask you this, since we're talking about Eddie Murphy. What is your thought on him backtracking and apologizing for some of the bits he did back in the Raw and Delirious days? You know, if these guys, I, I don't know that anybody, I, I don't like it when I have to hear people have to have to apologize for things they did back then. Okay. I mean, you know, I understand, and like I said, I completely understand that Looking at it with today's lens, some of it was is is now deemed inappropriate, right? You know, but that was the comedy scene at the time. Has Dice ever apologized? Oh yeah, really? I never heard, never heard him apologize. Oh yeah, for he's any of that. yeah he's. I mean, I think I think at one point they all have, but I mean, it all like I said, it all depends. But he was also r- railed against at the time. Oh, yeah. You know, even when he was in his like at his peak, you know, when Eddie Murphy was doing the um, the Cramden bit. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a whole, you know, there wasn't an entire, you know, there was small pockets, but it wasn't like an entire, you know, movement was was against that. Yeah. You know, 
but yeah, it you know it doesn't it, it sums that doesn't age well. But I don't think they need to apologize to go back because, in all honesty, if the people they're not going to sit, oh well, we accept your apology. You didn't mean that. You know. Oh it, no, no, no. The way it is now, if you said something twenty years ago that in today's yeah culture is deemed offensive, you're a horrible person. Yeah, and of course, if you acknowledge that you've done it, now you're even worse. Right. Would Kinnison have apologized for anything? Probably not. I mean, Kinnison, <laughs> Kinnison did apologize and then like took it right back in another act when he yeah. did stuff like that. Right. Would Lenny Bruce have apologized? No, definitely not. But that's, like I said, and now comedy has become, uh, well, stand-up comedians has mostly become safe. There, For the most part. You there, know? There are a few rebels out there that are still doing... Yeah. Edgy stuff. Have you ever watched Chris Porter? Mm, name doesn't sound familiar. When you when you get home and you have an extra, when you have a little bit of time, get on Prime Video. Because I know you have Amazon Prime. No, we got rid of it. Oh, you. I'm not giving money to Bezos. Oh, I will give Bezos my money. I like my no, Amazon I, deliveries. No, I just I, well, you only have to spend twenty five dollars, man. It's it's not like, come on, man. You you don't you don't have to like. It's not the old days like when you had, you have to spend a hundred dollars. Nah, spend twenty five. You're good. Yeah, but I spend a hundred dollars for the entire year, and I get purchase my, more, consume. I spend a hundred dollars for the entire year, and with that, I also get my Amazon Prime Video. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, on Prime Video, there is. Quite a few of Chris Porter's Chris Porter's specials. All right. The one to watch is Ugly and Angry. Kind of like a combination of you and me. You're ugly. I'm angry. That that's hurtful in I, in every way of the form, shape or form. I don't care. Um, yeah, Chris Porter, Ugly and Angry. That motherfucker is my spirit animal. <laughs> you gotta you gotta watch it, dude. It, you'll love it. You'll love it. Being a being an old school like Kennison Dice. Uh, type fan, you'll enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I don't shy away from like I said, Bill Burr. It, right, it is funny at times, but there are there are points when you 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 need to know when the joke ends. Yeah, and and Bird likes to take it two steps further. But you know what? I don't pay the man, and if I don't like it, I can shut it off. Yep, there you go. And that that's that's the thing is you if you don't like it, yeah. shut it off. Shut it off. What do, what do you think of uh, Dennis Leary? Den- Dennis Leary, I always felt was a Bill Hicks ripoff. Yeah, and you know, but hilarious. Yeah, um, see, I love Leary's see, stuff. That's the thing. I I always felt I always felt Leary was like almost like just another Bill like, like I, I Bill Hicks. To me, it was better. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying Leary's good. I I've always been a fan. You know, I Leary was always like take it or leave it with me. Yeah, and although his movie roles, you know, he can he can play the Irish prick great. Well, I think that comes kind of natural to him. You know, I mean, I I remember seeing him in Who's the Man. Uh huh. Which is like Dr. Dre and Ed Lover become cops. Audrey, Larva. And uh, yeah, oh man, that is just, you know, and he, him being the captain was just, uh, 
you know, and of course he did the Captain in you know uh, in Spider Man. Yep. And still the same character. You know, he he's able to play that character very well. Yes, he is. But as for as far as his comedy, eh, I could take it or leave it. What about uh, Joe Rogan? Again, same kind of thing. I I've heard uh, some of his comedy. I just it's like it's a uh, eh, it's not really you know. It's like I think you have to be enjoying a Monster Energy drink to enjoy his comedy. I really do. <laughs> I kind I I disagree. <laughs> I I don't think that you need to be enjoying energy drinks to enjoy Joe Rogan. I think Rogan's funny. His observations are really. Mm are really, really astute. And uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's usually high as fuck. Mm. And so that puts a different different spin on the way he sees things. Yes, yeah, it's sometimes... Like, they're, they're, like I said, a lot of the American comedians, current American comedians, I'm just... I'm not into a lot of their stuff. I really think it's like... it's It seems... A lot of it just seems like the same old, same old. Okay. You know? You know, you find a topic, and that's why, like I said, I like, and I I love British humor because sometimes I have no idea what they're talking about or what they're inferring to. Okay. But it's funny. It's it's more self-deprecating than the American comedians. Right, whereas American comedy tends to be more observational. Right. You know, and I was never a big fan of Seinfeld. I I can't stand Jerry Seinfeld. And, and there's a lot of comedians out there that's... Are basically Seinfeld clones. And, yeah, and like I said, there's so many there's so many tropes and, you know, just come up with the funny stuff. You you don't you don't have to observe stuff or shock or just uh, I don't know. There's just it's just not a lot of. And I listen to a lot of I listen to like ninety nine on Sirius. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a raw dog comedy. Yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, and I love a lot of that stuff. But I mean, there's some stuff that's ah, uh, just. Uh, <laughs> what, Brian what, Posen's one of my favorites, though. Posen's good. Yeah, Posen's good. He he's uh like everybody when you when you say the heavy metal comic, everybody's always going to go to Jim Brewer. Yeah. To me, I I don't like Brewer. I don't like him. I don't find him funny. I, I except his Lars Ulrich impression is fucking phenomenal. Jim, Jim Jim Brewer, yeah, Jim Brewer was always that. Um, he does the Metallica, uh, the Brian Johnson. Yeah. And yes, that's funny the first time you hear it. Uh-huh. And, and every most of his jokes premise is that he looks stoned. Yeah. Which is just his facial features. But that's what he has. Posen, on the other hand, is 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 funny. <laughs> like, Posen's really good. Um, he's the true heavy metal comic. Yeah. Yeah. His albums, he's done songs. Oh, yeah. Uh, he gra- did. Grandpa Metal. Grandpa Metal. Uh, metal by Numbers. Yep. Great. More metal than you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you can get the guys from Anthrax and uh, who else was on that? Oh, my God. Because I, I, th- I, I know Scotty and from I think Anthrax. Rob Halford even was. Halford. I think you're I think you may be right. Halford may have guessed it on one of his things. Yep. But like Scotty and was on it doing guitar. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's he's the metal comic. Yeah. And he now years ago. I don't know how many years has been since time just seems it was just completely i've lost all meaning to it but but at midnight when that was a show the comedians that were on there okay and there was like just little bit parts that they would do that was a great show just a nice vehicle to just see some of these comedians in a smaller vein mm-hmm. and i i have no doubt that most of it was scripted beforehand okay um but it, it didn't matter you at least got to see a little bit of, of the comedy 
of different people, and it wasn't a whole set. Right. I I was always a big fan of the HBO, uh, like, uh, what the hell did they call it? Not the half-hour stand-up specials they did, but the stuff they did at Dangerfields. Oh, the Young Comedian specials. Yeah, those. those <laughs> that was some good stuff. Uh, I mean, that's where we got introduced to Kinnison, mm-hmm. Dice. Oh, there was a... But, uh, Oh, I can't remember the guy. He did the football thing, the football impressions. Yeah, I can't remember his name either. Uh, Billy Bob Rubick, yeah. University of Texas, right guard. David Slees, punk rock magician, and a pocket. <laughs> ah, fuck you. <laughs> I'm fooling you. You don't like it. Yeah. I mean, that that's. I remember watching that stuff constantly. Oh, yeah. yeah. I And Rodney was great, too. Yep. Rodney was great, but he was, he was like... He was almost like a one of the old borscht belt community comedi- yep. comedians. Yeah, you know, it was just like you know, really that whole "take my wife, please." And yeah, he he was a uh, kind of a modern Jack Benny. Yeah, but at least, but at least Rodney was like, "Hey, guys, come on in, let's do this." Or Henny, me- Henny Youngman, rather. Yeah, don't correct me. I corrected myself. See, see, I told you, I told you, Jack Benny, <laughs> Henny Youngman. Oh, that Henny Youngman. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, and then there, of course there was short attention span theater short on Comedy atten- Central. Yes. Where you just see these little bit pieces. Uh-huh. And they were funny, you know? Sometimes you don't need to see a whole set. Right. You know, uh what's his name? The redheaded comedian. Um oh, I'm blanking on his name too. He's all over YouTube now. Steve Steve Hostetler. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, he does his heckle stuff, which yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, that, don't heckle a comedian. Yeah, they're yeah. you'll lose. But it but it's it's great when they do. Yeah, because he wins every time. Oh yeah, he he's he's very quick. Yeah, I like watching I like watching his stuff. But as for sitting down like watching a comedy special, I I just I can't sit through them. I want to watch Kevin Hart's new one like from the living room. Yeah. I haven't gotten around to it. I haven't watched the new Kevin Hart yet, one yet. Uh, the last one, last new one that I watched was Chappelle's new one. Okay. That was great. And Chappelle, Chappelle digs at everybody. Mm. I could not even tell you what the last comedy special I've watched was. I It's been so long since I've watched any of them. I just watch, you know, I'll see. I, I like the clip shows. Yeah. And I watch little clips of stuff online, and well, that's because you've got the attention span of a flea. No, man, no. I just, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't watch that stuff. Attention. It's span not the attention. Well, you know what? The internet broke me. Okay, because all I'm doing, I watch five, ten minute videos on YouTube, and that's like my TV. Yeah, it, 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 you're the re- you're the reason that we can't have nice things. You know. You need to put something in the oven for 15 minutes. You find a 15-minute video. You don't got to use a timer. When the video is over, you go check the oven. See? It's that simple. Uh, There's a cooking tip. That's a cooking tip. Huh? Uh, you're part of the reason that the wrestling business is the way it is, too. That's not my fault. Oh, no. Don't you pin that one on me. You're part, no pun intended. You're part, of the, you're part of the problem with the wrestling business. No, no, no. Bad storyline telling is that their problem. Yeah, because people like you can't sit through a six-month program. I could. No, you can't. I most certainly you could. You just said you can't. No, I'm talking on... Look, I'm talking... On, I watch TV. Leave me alone. I'm extrapolating out here. What? I'm extrapolating out to... 
put your short attention span into other things. Yeah, but it doesn't work that way. Sure, it does. Plus, the wrestling they don't they don't do long storylines because they just don't pay off because people get injured or people get arrested or people fail the drug tests. I'm sorry, the wellness policy because they don't do drugs. Well, at least they took at least they took weed off of the you know you, you, hit list. Yeah, you, you can't you can't do a six month thing because you know. And I was just watching WCW Sin. Oh, man, that's an old one. Yeah, and how they had to completely just, you know, kill off Goldberg's character because he had to have shoulder surgery. Or wasn't, or was that for the shoulder surgery or was that when he put his fist through the window? No, that was for the shoulder. Okay. And it was like, you know, they, they started this whole thing where if he lost a match, he would get fired, and they had to run with that. And it's like, well, then he got hurt. It was like, no, he has to, he has to leave. Well, I blame Vince Russo for that. Yeah, well, like I said, it's it's not the fans that are doing it. I mean, sometimes the booking is just terrible. You can't book a long show because you don't know what's going to happen to people. And sometimes these, even the best guys out there, I mean, they're on TV one day, the next week they're they're off. Why? Who knows? Well, I think a lot of that has to do with everybody wanting to be a spot monkey now. Well, that's mainly just the WWE. No. No, you want to see some spot monkey and shit? Watch an AEW show. The most I watch of that, and I, is on YouTube. Botcha Mania, and there's a lot of AEW oh, clips on there, isn't there? Oh, there is. Oh, there's so many wonderful things on that. I mean, I, I, I understand we have we have friends in the business and all that other stuff, and 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 no one wants to put on a bad show, but oh, the Shaden Freud, of just of just, you know, when they when they put up a boot and they don't even get close to the face. Well, I don't I don't even have a problem with that as much as I have a problem with a lot of the guys on the AEW roster. Their basics are just fucking atrocious. These guys can't hit ropes properly. When's the last time you saw somebody who actually knows what they're doing? Ask Andy Heater. Ask Andy how to hit the ropes. Do you hit it flat back or do you hit it on your side? Isn't it on the side? Yes. Watch an AEW match. Ninety percent right. of the time, they're hitting. They're, it's a small thing, but they're hitting the they're hitting the ropes flat backed. The the obvious cooperation, you know. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. You know, setting up the big moves and then no selling. Fucking everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think they all have that. They all have that problem because, you know, everybody. Looking for the pay window. Well, it's not that they're looking for the pay window, baby. You see, now now you got me transitioning into the dream. Um, it's not that everybody's looking for the pay window. Everybody has lost the art of how to tell a story. Oh, yeah. They've lost the art of how to tell a story. Yeah. I mean, you see stuff today that's... you're Okay, you remember when a DDT was a finish. Oh, yeah. Yep. Now a DDT is barely a transition spot. Yep. Let's go back even further. You remember when a, a superplex off the second rope was a finish? Yep. Cowboy Bob Orton, Barry Windham, they used that as a finish. Now, people are taking superplexes, like Seth Rollins does a spot, a superplex from the top rope, rolls over into a falcon arrow. It's a fucking transition spot. Well, like I said, once they start that, you can't come back from them. No, you can't. There's stuff now that's not that's barely a finish that would that even ten, fifteen years ago would have been a hospitalization angle. Oh yeah, yeah. And I just 
you know, even like, you know, the the frog splash, I think, has become just another move. Yeah, uh, there's one or two guys that still use the frog splash as a finisher, but it's a spectacular frog splash. Mm. Like Montez Ford, he, he wrestles for WWE. He's part of uh, the Street Profits. He has a spectacular frog splash, and that's his finish. But you see stuff now, and nobody... If it's done rightly, a pile driver is a safe move. If it's done properly by two guys that know what the hell they're doing, a pile driver is a safe move, but nobody can do it anymore. Yep. Because you had too many knuckleheads that didn't know what they were doing hurting people. Yeah, well, that's... that. I mean, I, I understand that. In 50 years in the business, you never saw Jerry Lawler hurt anybody legitimately with a pile driver. What about Andy Kaufman? Legitim- he broke his neck. Legitimately. He broke his neck. Kayfabe! Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite wrestling theme song? Oh, definitely uh, King of Kings by Motorhead. Really? King of Kings? I like that one better. I, I like that one better than the game. Really? Yes. You Bow down to the king. Yes. And the, 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 um, the whole uh, Titantron video for that one. It was, is really good. It was awesome. That is just... One of my all-time favorites. What about Evolution? Evolution is good, too. Um, like I said, I think Evolution was the first Motorhead song that came in, if I'm right. No, it was The Game. Was it? Yep. The Game, and then Evolution, because Triple H was already... I. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think The Game came first, and then Evolution, okay. and then King of Kings. It was. It, you're probably right with that, but... Uh, Evolution was, hmm, I didn't care for the the Evolution group. You didn't care for the faction? No. I thought it was, well, if they would have played it right, you know? I mean, if they really would have played it right, but they didn't. How so? All right, you had the old guy. Okay. The old, the old mentor. Okay. You had the young guy. Which one? Randy Orton. Okay. Okay. You had the muscle. You had the big heater, Batista. Right. So what was Triple H? Triple H was the heir apparent. Okay. He was the heir apparent to Flair. So you have the old lion Mm -hmm. in Ric Flair. You have the current top dog, the heir apparent to to the greatest in Triple H. You've got the next generation after Triple H in Orton, and then you've got the big heater in Batista. Right. I don't think it, that was that that was the whole premise of it, the past, the present, the future. Right. And then it ended really quickly with just beating up Orton, which it shouldn't have ended that quickly. I I don't disagree. You know, there I mean, I don't know what the, the why they had to fast forward that. You know, a good, you know, a good heel stable can last for years. And you don't have to have the internal fighting. I don't know why well, look at all. Look at. I mean, you talk about good heel stables lasting for years. Look at the turnover. Actually, no, that's not even a good a good uh, a good one to go with. Is the turnover in the Four Horsemen because in their like their first couple of incarnations, the runs lasted really long, and the first incarnation would have lasted even longer if Ole wouldn't have fucking retired. Right. But but also, I don't remember. Was there ever like horsemen turning on each other? Um, only when they kick Sting out. Yeah, but I mean, every, and that was when every the one would... of them. It's like it's like with Nation of Domination. 
Yeah. They turn on each other. DX turned on each other in the end. The, that wasn't even really DX, because at the time they did the turn, Triple H and Sean yeah, weren't were, even yeah, involved. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, but they they need to find better ways to end heel stables. Well, I mean, because I find them entirely entertaining with the with the Nation of Domination. That I thought that was really well done because The Rock was getting so over. They had to do yeah. it. And then of course you know, he just they they had to turn on each other. Yeah. But like I said, that's like a whole heel thing. I mean, I don't know how the natural born thrillers ended up. Oh Jesus Christ! (laughs) (laughs) How that ended up was WCW shut their doors. (laughs) So there's still a chance. There's still a chance. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's uh, I thought Evolution was a great idea and I loved it, and then it just ended that quickly. It was like, hang on, I got one for you. I got one for you. Since you like to do the I am the so-and-so to your (laughs) so-and-so. I am the Ric Flair to your above average Mike uh, Mike Sanders. Oh, come on, man. Uh, Mike Sanders. Oh, man, that's... That just hurts. That just that just hurts, man. I've never I've never gone with a wrestling one, or have I? I don't remember. No, you haven't. Yeah, you know what? Because I have respect for the business. Okay. <laughs> so do I. So do I. And plus, I probably would have just pissed off tons of people. But that that's an argument amongst itself. Yeah. You know. Yeah, considering we do know uh, we do know people in the business. Yeah. Sit there. You're the Iron Mike Sharp to my Barry Horowitz. How about that one? Oh, who's the ooh, who's, <laughs> who's the better jobber? Who, uh, hang on, we can't use the word jobber. Who's the better enhancement talent? Oh, definitely Horowitz. Barry Horowitz. Yeah. Well, he he stayed around longer. He was on a lot of the shows. And yeah, no, I think Mike and, Sharp had a longer career. Yeah, but Mike Sharp, all I rem- and I love Mike Sharp, but all I remember from Mike Sharp was he was one going around. And, and, and he he always had he had that perpetually injured right forearm because he always had the brace on it. That was a cowboy Bob Orton thing too. Yeah, Orton did that. For I years was surprised too. when he came back with Evolution at the time when he was defending Randy that he should have still had a brace on. Well, he did a couple of times. He did have the cast on. I think <laughs> that was great. Oh God, the Ace Cowboy Bob Orton. Yep. You know, you know the whole reason he couldn't be used anymore, right? What? They found out he had fucking hepatitis. Ooh, yeah. After he, after he had gigged himself and bled and bled during a match. Jeez. Yeah, freaking cowboy Bob. Oh, speaking of wrestling, uh, as we record this on Wednesday, we recorded a couple of days late because Bill and I both had water issues in our basement, so we're recording a little late. I just found out this evening that Pat Patterson has passed away. If you're not aware of who Pat Patterson is, you're not a wrestling fan. I'm sorry. He was the first ever WWF Intercontinental Champion. Won the title in a tournament final in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Was that televised? It's kayfabe. Is, kayfabe. There, any, is, there, any, is there any evidence that that ever happened? Ixnay on the tournament <laughs> day. Kayfabe, kayfabe. Um, but uh, Pat Patterson, you know, one legendary figure in the pro wrestling world as not only a worker but as for a lot of years Vince McMahon's one of Vince McMahon's right hand men uh he's the guy responsible for the concept of the Royal Rumble he's the guy who late who he he's the be, known as the best finish man in the business 
the 60 minute Iron Man match at WrestleMania with Sean and Brett. Uh, that was Pat Patterson. That had that was all Pat's doing. All around, you know, you'll you'll you'd be hard pressed to find anybody in the wrestling business that would say a bad thing about Pat Patterson. So, rest easy, Pat. Thanks for the memories. I remember from his Stooges era. Oh God, the Stooges were so great. They were no, they were they I were mean, great. It, it, him him and Jerry Briscoe. Yeah. Two guy, Mr. McMahon, Mr. McMahon. <laughs> and, and when they put, and when they put them in, uh, had them, when Vince had them do the evening gown match. Yeah, just Jerry. See, Br- but that's the best part. Those guys, th- there's an era of guys that when you know they tell you to do something, will it will it be entertaining? Yeah, we're doing it. Oh yeah. There's none of this, oh, I have a a reputation to uphold. No, you're doing it. Right. But now the problem, uh, like, I think the biggest problem with WWE creative at the the particular point in time is you have the guy who's supposed to be the executive director of everything, Bruce Pritchard. Okay. Bruce is supposed to be running Raw and SmackDown and not on, not in a storyline. He's legit, the executive director. You got one guy running five hours of TV every week. And Bruce is nothing more than a Vince McMahon ass kisser. Mm-hmm. Always has been, always will be. He doesn't, in my in my opinion, he doesn't do what's going to draw a rating, what's going to get the people interested. He does what's going to pop Vince. Mm-hmm. I heard a recent uh, podcast uh, with uh, Jim Ross and uh, he was comparing the booking styles of Dusty Rhodes and Ole Anderson. Okay. And I, like I said, I thought it was really, I mean, they could use Ole Anderson. If he didn't like you, he wasn't going to do anything with you. He pretty much only pushed his friends. Yeah. Okay. Dusty Rhodes pushed everybody, whether he liked you or didn't. Well, yeah, but Dusty pushed and, a, pushed anybody he could make money with. Yeah, and he he put everyone out. He put everyone on the card. He you know told them what to do and if it worked. And I think there needs to be more of that where they you know they put everybody out there. Well, I mean, to a point, yeah. You got. I mean, because when you get so far into that, into putting everybody on the show, you get into you you run the risk of getting into Vince Russo booking. Where everybody everybody has to have a storyline, no, bro. See. Everybody has to do something, bro. Listen to me. It's going to be... Anyway. As long as they don't do everything on a pole matches, you know... Or Judy Bagwell on a forklift no, match. Vince, Vince Russo's biggest problem... Was he hated he, wrestling. Well, he oh, every match had to be a gimmick to him. Well, yeah. Every match. Well, yeah. And then sometimes... They did multiple gimmicks. But the thing is, the thing with him is, he never gave a crap about the in-ring product. He only cared about what went on outside of the match. Yeah. When like uh, Jim Cornette tells a story, uh, well, he's got a million Russo stories, but he tells one in particular when Russo was working for TNA. Jeff Jarrett had called him to come down and said, "Hey, I need somebody to help me rein this guy in. He's getting too far." So, the guy who's supposed to be the head of creative for TNA, Vince Russo, he would write his uh, promos and angles and stuff leading up to the match. But then, once the match, once once the bell went ding, 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 
oh, that's not my, I don't want to do that. Let somebody else do that. Or, and, you know, if you're going to write wrestling, you should know something about wrestling. Yeah. That's my biggest problem with Russo. Yeah. I, I never cared for a lot of the stuff that he pulled. I, I do I do understand he's like he he is part of some of the biggest storylines and stables that we remember. But I'm not a fan of like a lot of the stuff that he just kind of pulled. There's a part when it's like when creative has to become a character. That you see now there, I will agree with you 100. percent When Vince when Vince became Mr. McMahon, yeah, I understood that. I got that. I got behind it. And let's face it, Vince McMahon is the ultimate heel. Yeah, but it was, but that worked great at the time. But, but it doesn't mean every fucking organization needs to copy it. No, but the best, the best part about the McMahon heel is that everybody knew Vince McMahon was the owner. Right. Okay. So when you have any other owner and say, "Oh, well, I'm the general manager and I'm going to be the jerk," nobody cares. Right. Like when Bischoff joined the NWO. Yeah. But the the Vince McMahon. Oh wait, thing. Bischoff. I think Bischoff joined the NWO before. Yeah, Bischoff yeah. joined the NWO before. Yeah, he did. McMahon turned heel. But it was. I, I think I, I thought it was on, I'm trying to remember when McMahon turned. Because well, rem- oh, McMahon turned heel. McMahon truly turned heel at the Montreal Screwjob. Right. And that was when. And I think that was serendipity where he thought this is money, because everybody hates me for the decision I made. Right. But the, no, no, not really, because Vince thought he was going to be the babyface in that. With the whole Brett screwed Brett thing? Yeah. He thought, I'm going to go out. Okay, I'm going to go out, pal. I'm going to break kayfabe. I'm going to tell it the way it is. This will make me look good. No, it made you look like the shit heel I, that yeah, you are. I, I think a lot of that was just what they what they would call the work shoot. I think he knew exactly what he was pulling. And then you had Stone Cold with that whole against the boss thing, and they played it so perfectly. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. That could not have been done any better or with two yeah, or with two it better was, it people. Was, it was perfect. It was the you know, and and the best thing was that, you know, it probably shouldn't have it wouldn't have worked in any other decade. Because no. Austin was the heel. Right. McMahon was the heel. But now you got Austin being just going after McMahon and dumping cement in his car. That car and, I think that car still sets at uh, well it used to sit at Titan Towers. Titan, they yeah. are, they have moved to a different building. I mean the the milk bath. The milk uh, that was Angle. Was yeah, but McMahon was involved in that. Yeah, he was involved in that, and so was Stone Cold. That was when Stone. You know, they that was when they fucked up and tried to turn my, Austin heel. My favorite spot was in the hospital. Bedpan McMahon. When, when when he came and you heard that ting of the bedpan hit the head. That was so good, and that was the that was the birth of Mister Sacco. Yeah. Oh yeah. That and uh, yeah. And I mean, there was so much at that, that whole angle. Just it was so much better than you know. Like I said, the NWO started out fun, went off the rails. Like when most of the locker room is now NWO. Yeah. And now we split them. Now we have two. It's like, oh my god, this is just all over the place. But the McMahon thing, and they tried to bring it back with the higher power, but they shouldn't have done that. No. Uh, Where I think the whole Austin McMahon thing, well. This is pretty much a common opinion where the whole Austin McMahon thing went wrong was I think WrestleMania 17 when they turned Austin heel against The Rock and he joined up with McMahon. Yeah, they shouldn't have never done that. No, because nobody bought it. Nobody bought it. 
and yeah. they had to turn. They had to turn. Or no, they didn't turn Austin. That's when they started. The was shit that a with, McMahon in every corner? No, that was WrestleMania nineteen, I think eighteen or nineteen, because that was a four way for the title. That was Mick Foley as Mick Foley, Triple H, Stone Cold, and The Rock. And you're right, there was a McMahon in every corner. Yeah, they 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 were. Yeah, that was. I mean, there was a period when they were. At, Everything. Well, thankfully, they've gotten away from that. You don't see, like, Triple H is legit, like, the COO of the company. Or, no, he's not the COO anymore. He's the something of talent and international development. He's making money. He's making serious bank, and he's the heir apparent to Vince. Oh, yeah. Um, But you don't see Triple H on TV that often anymore, which is a good thing. I, every show should have an authority figure, but that authority figure should be like like uh, the perfect example. And I know you don't watch the product now, but William Regal on NXT. OK, mm-hmm. William Regal is the general manager of NXT. You don't see Regal all the time. But when you do, it's for something important. Okay, yeah. he's going to come out, he's going to make a match, he's going to add a stipulation, he's going to do he's going to do what a general manager should do. That's what the the on-screen authority figure should be. On the main roster stuff on Raw and SmackDown, they're starting to do that now with a guy named Adam Pierce. Okay. I don't know you, do you know who was, he is? Was he one of the announcers? No, Adam Pierce is a former NWA champion. Okay. Um a fantastic worker. Um but WWE hired him as a backstage producer. And now they're starting to use him on screen as the authority figure. All right. Uh, like every time you see him come up, it'll say WWE official Adam Pierce. Okay. Because uh, and that's what the authority figure should be. He should be there to say, "Okay, you guys have this problem. We're going to settle it. This you're going to have this match." Yeah. Not the way the McMahon's were back in the early 2000s in the late 90s. Not the way Bischoff was. More like a Jack Tunney. Yeah, kind of. That was always that was always fun. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. going to defend tonight. That's it. A gorilla monster. A gorilla one. Gor- and Sergeant Slobber. Yeah, when Slaughter or Gorilla were the on, were the on-air authority figures. They they that was that was good stuff. Yes. Even Teddy Long. Ah. Uh. Even Teddy Long. Teddy Long. I don't know. I like Teddy Long as a manager more than I did, like, a showrunner, as it were. Yeah. Because he, he was just, uh, oh, my God. He he gave some great, some some great promos. Oh, yeah. When he, oh, when he back in the day in, w, in the NWA, when he was managing the Skyscrapers and Doom and, and guys like that. Um, I remember Teddy Long as a referee. Yes, so do I. Yep. Yeah, I remember him. Yo, you stop drinking the haterade. Yeah, that was. He's uh, got a PhD, a player hater degree. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Te- Teddy Long did came up with some great stuff. Um, yeah, that's why I, said, I liked him better as as a manager. And I as that's another thing that's like a sadly, sadly the lost art. The lo- yeah, the manager, because that was always fun uh, to see. Well, not I mean, so much the valet in, in WWE. Um, there's one manager, really, uh, one true manager, and that's Paul Heyman. Well, I thought you were going to say Billy Zane. No. 
Brian Zane, you mean? Brian Zane. Sorry. He's, he's Billy, not... Billy Zane was in Titanic. <laughs> no, no. Brian Zane doesn't work for WWE. No, wait, who was the one? Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. There was. It's been a while since I've seen it. But there was some Sammy guy. Zane. There you go. Sammy Zane. Sammy Zane. Uh, he was a manager in tights. Yeah. He was a manager in tights. He was managing. But when I watched, he wasn't wrestling. He was the other two guys were wrestling. Nakamura and uh, Cesaro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Sammy was a manager in tights. Sammy's he's a he's one of the best wrestlers on the roster. Okay. Uh, Sammy's fantastic, and he's great as a manager. And the thing is, um, like when he first came into the when he first got into the business, now Sammy Zayn is a Muslim. He's he's a ginger. Arab. For real or, Ca- Canadian. or on... Canadian ginger Arab. For real. Okay? Okay. And when he first broke into the business, when he wrestled for Ring of Honor, he was a character called El Generico. <laughs> El Generico. Yep. He was a luchador. Okay? <laughs> ginger, Arabic, Canadian. Completely mute. Never said a word. He's turned into one of the best promos in the business. Sami Zayn is fucking gold on the mic. But uh, back to the manager's thing. The only real manager in WWE right now is Paul Heyman. And he's not... I'm not a manager. I'm an advocate. Yeah. Or now he's the special counsel to the tribal chief Roman Reigns. But uh, AEW has a few guys that are quote-unquote managers now and they're using some old legends to do it you have jake the snake roberts who's managing a guy named lance archer uh tully blanchard is managing sean spears and the revival uh, ftr they were the revival in wwe and the best one of the bunch in aew you have taz dude taz is so good on the mic i know i'm just i I am not a Taz fan. Oh, I've, I'm a huge Taz fan. I'm a I mean, huge Taz fan. Well. But, like, his on the mic, because he's brought back the... You remember the FTW title from ECW? Yeah. He brought it back. Now, Brian Cage is the unrecognized FTW world champion in TNA. And it's the same belt from 20 years ago in ECW. Uh, Taz had it sitting around. He's like, hey, I got this at home, brother. Can we use it? Um <laughs> But Taz is right now the probably the best manager not named Paul Heyman in the business. Taz is fantastic. Um, one Wednesday night, just you know, poke your eyes at AEW for a few minutes, or go get on YouTube and find find uh, one of Taz's current promos. Good stuff. I but like you, I miss the days of the manager. Yeah, I I, I remember. It wasn't so much a manager, but <laughs> that one show in Jersey we went to. Uh huh. When the the uh, the face tag team came out with the manager that smelled like vanilla. Oh yeah, we looked at each other and said, "Were we in a strip club?" Yeah, but it was like it's like, "What the face is the manager for?" That's not what they do. No, no. It was it, it it like it threw me so much. The only the only baby like real baby face manager that I ever remember. That was always a baby face. Never was a, a heel and turn baby face. It was Arnold Scotland. And Sonny. No, Sonny was a heel, dude. Really? Sonny was a straight well, heel. Well, with the body Donna's, yeah, but when she went with the LOD. 
that that was a mismatch. It was a mismatch, but it did match. It was a face. <laughs> By proxy, but it but it never worked. I mean, it he, didn't need to work. The LOD did not need Sunny. No, they didn't. But no, they didn't. That was another case of pure mismanagement and bungling by WWE. Well, I think a lot of it. I mean, you have a lot. You have so much talent that there were times when they were bursting at the seams with talent. Oh, they still are. And it's like you you gotta you gotta fit these people in somewhere. Uh, they still are. I mean, but now um, there's seven hours of live WWE TV every week. Mm-hmm. You have three hours of Raw on Monday, two hours of NXT on Wednesday, and two hours of SmackDown on Friday. There's five or seven hours. Don't correct my math. I corrected myself. There's seven live hours of WWE TV every week. And that's not even counting pay-per-views. Yeah. But, I mean, I remember because babyface managers, the only one that never was a heel that I can recall was Arnold Scotland. I was, I don't know who that is. He managed Bruno. Oh my god! And then he managed Backlund. You're going back to the and then he managed Backlund. Yeah, that's that's in the in the way back. I mean, you are old. Yes, you are. You are. You know, close to dirt. But I mean, I, dude, I I've been watching since I like the first champion I remember. I remember watching Bob Backlund every month on Spectrum Wrestling. I get into the product probably a little bit later. Yeah, I got. I I mean, my grandmother was a huge wrestling fan. Mm. But managers, I mean, when you when you look at guys like, uh, and you know, I'm a huge huge Jim Cornette fan. Jim Cornette's probably my favorite. Not probably. Jim Cornette is my favorite manager of all time. I'm not saying he's the best because it's Bobby Heenan and then everybody else. Mm. Everybody else is fighting for second because Bobby Heenan was far and away the best. Manager in wrestling history. Oh, without a doubt. Right. Uh, but you, I mean, back in the, in the 80s and 90s, you had guys like Jim Cornette, Gary, Playboy Gary Hart, Paul Heyman, when he was still Paulie Dangerously, Teddy Long, um, let's go Precious back. Paul Ellering. Precious Paul Ellering. Uh, uh, he wasn't very good, but he was always around in the NWA back in the day. Paul, uh, Paul Jones. Uh, go back a little further in WWF times and you have guys like Captain Lou Albano, the Grand Wizard. Slick. Slick. Mr. Fuji. Fuji. Fuji was horrible. No, he he wasn't. Fuji was horrible. I I honestly I I enjoyed because like I said, and like just like Blassie, if you had I loved Blassie. If you had a cane, somebody was getting hit. Oh yeah. I loved Blassie. Bla- I thought Blassie was great. Yep, like I said, all those phrases that they all coined and ah, you pencil neck geek. Yep, yeah, that's. I mean, that, the manager was a true, true lost art. It is, and uh, it's it's a shame that I mean, you can still see him on the indie circuit. Yeah, which is which is great because I think the managers that that know how to do it well and know how to work the crowd can really get people against. Their guys. If, if if a manager can create heat, he's doing his job. Yep. I mean, like, but you'll never, and it's it's a good thing. It really is. You'll never see heat now like you saw in even the mid 80s. 
I don't think they could because the venues are too big. Well, not only the venues are too big, there's actually security barriers between the oh, crowd. Oh, yeah, that, that too. Between the crowd and the ring now. Yeah. But, like, back in the day, if you watch old world-class tapes or, you know, watch old world-class stuff from Dallas or even old NWA tapes from Crockett, there's literally a rope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, even you're talking, like, even back in... You know, the, the WCW days, it was just a metal barrier. Right. And you didn't really have a lot of people there. I mean, people jumped in the ring all the time. Yeah. It got beaten up for it. Oh, yeah. That's the wrong place to be. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I have seen some indie shows where the, this, there's more of a barrier than it was at WCW shows. Yeah. You know. But then again, we've been to, we've been to indie shows where there's no barrier. I've been to indie shows where the ring was a foot off the floor. Okay, there is uh, at the Sokol. That that was a that was a bad show, uh, dude. How do you take a bump on that? Honestly, I, I I still tell you, I still tell you the best one was the the guy like rolls out of the ring, right? And I can't remember their names and most of them. There was only like two really really decent wrestlers there. Uh huh. But the guy that wasn't one of the decent, he rolls out of the ring, just flops on the floor. Like he's rolling out of, like, my bed's higher than that. <laughs> right? And now he has to just crawl on the outside, back and forth. Right? Waiting for the spot. It's coming, but it's taken a long time to develop. Finally, here comes the baseball slide. He looks up, and it clocks him in the head. Right? You've been crawling back and forth like centipede. See, now that <laughs> that that's one thing that annoys the hell out of me is it, and it comes down to timing and knowing what you're doing. You know, when you have to see the spot, when you see the spot coming, OK, when you see the spot coming, like now everybody has to do their their flip and dive and stuff out over the top. And it just so happens that there's three guys there to catch him every fucking time. <laughs> that's been forever, though. Yeah, I, that's even that's even forever. Like I, I can't name you can't name a high flyer that ever blathering that didn't land on everybody, which looks like a load of fun to be honest. I I can name one. I've been crowd surfing. I I can name one. <laughs> you never saw Cactus Jack do that. Well, usually there was a table to catch his fall. No. No, he would do that hip buster elbow off the rope. He'd give the guy the back he'd give the guy the backbreaker on the I floor. Honestly, I wouldn't call Cactus Jack a high flyer. Well, he, he I mean, when I think high flyers, I think of like, you know, Stevie Richards, those thin wiry guys that were just jumping all over the place. Jeff well, Hardy and all that. Stevie Richards never really flew all over the place. He tried to work like a big guy. I can remember a few of his matches where he was like jumping around. Yeah, but, but <laughs> I mean, he wasn't doing moonsaults and shit. But like, like you you see it all the time now. I know, it's... and and nobody sells anything. Well, they they do for a few minutes. No, they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. They do. The, no, the worst and the it's worst like... offenders of it are, of all are the young bucks. It's like that hit me in the head. Uh, okay, I'm done. I'm better now, <laughs> dude. The the the, ro- the 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 young bucks, especially uh, as Cornette calls him, Buck Hogan. 
he used to call him Road Warrior Buck, but since Ro- since uh, both of the Road Warriors aren't with us anymore, he retired the name and now he calls him Buck Hogan. <laughs> Dude, he's smaller than you. He's smaller than you. He's maybe 5'10 and 170 pounds. And the motherfucker is no selling everything. He se- he sells like Road Warrior Animal, mm. which is to say he doesn't sell. Uh, uh, come on, dude. How am I supposed to believe this shit? I know, I know. It's I don't think they they I don't think they're all doing it. I think there's but there's a majority where we've gotten to the point thanks to like those thanks to, you know, ladder matches in the 90s and stuff like that. It's like people are like you, you can't just you can't sell uh, you know, an elbow. You know, no. e- ECW has a big part, big part to do in that. Well, yeah, I didn't want to name ECW, but you know, oh, I, yeah, CZW is Combat is, Zone. Uh, yep, CZW, yeah. uh, ECW. Uh, what was the one out in LA that ripped off Glow? No, <laughs> that ripped that that ripped off ECW. Oh, I have no idea. Oh, what the hell were they called? W Z W or was something was something silly like that? No, I wasn't. I can't remember the name of it. But they came out. They came around shortly after ECW did, and they were just totally biting ECW shit. That's the that's the federation where New Jack threw Vic Grimes off of the scaffold and tried to kill him. Yeah, um, for Grimes nearly killing New Jack in ECW. They had a scaffold match, and the scaffold was above the ring. And New Jack tased Grimes. I legit hit him with a taser and tried to throw him not down into the ring, but he tried to throw him over the ropes to the floor. Grimes got lucky and his feet hit the top rope and brought him back into the ring. Oh, man. But New Jack's a fucking sick bastard. But that's another story. What the hell was the name of that? Uh, the name escapes me, but anyway, it's, you know, for lack of a better term, garbage wrestling. Yeah. That is greatly responsible for the shit that we see today where nobody can sell, like you said, can sell a, like a Macho Man Savage elbow drop mm-hmm. or anything like that. Because and the and then you got like the uh, the evolution of it with better production and uh, safer working conditions when you had guys like the Dudleys and Edge and Christian and the Hardys having those triple threat ladder matches and oh, TLC yeah. matches. There was some insane stuff in that. Yep. I mean, absolutely nuts. Like Jeff Hardy doing that swanton on the Bubba Ray off of a 20-foot ladder. But I, like I said, I still see... I, I don't see anything wrong with just just taking it back to just a, you know an old-school match. Well, that, yeah. Tell a story. Tell a story in the ring. I I agree a hundred percent. But you can't put the bullet back in the gun. You can. It just you know just you gotta tap it. Tap 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 tap. You completely missed the uh, the analogy. Yeah, because it was bad. No, it's an actual saying. I I know it's a saying because you said it. No, it's not. It, I didn't come up with it. Well, thank God because it's crap. Oh shut up! I'll, I'll I'll make it a little I'll make it a little easier for your Disney Channel brain to understand. You can't unsharpen the crayon. I don't. know That's what that better. Means. No, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Oh, Christina Aguilera! <laughs> <laughs> I 
expect you to go there. There you go. See that? But <laughs> you you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Um, there's I don't I don't think there's a way that we can go back to wrestlers legitimately telling you know like telling a story in the ring because now we've all been conditioned by these spot monkeys that a pile driver is just a transition spot a ddt is just a transition spot uh putting somebody through a table is not a hospitalization anymore you know it's just a it's just another spot well i think what they have to do is open up their repertoires there are a lot of great moves out there that nobody bothers to use anymore anyway. Well, there's a lot of great wrestlers out there that are actually working matches, but they still have to do the fucking stupid shit. See, they shouldn't have to. I agree. But we've gone this far down that road that I don't know if we can, it can ever be pulled back. I think it can. With love and time. And also, you gotta, they got to stop having the hillbillies like cheering for them. The people that think it's real, they really they have to stop that. See, that I don't think that's a problem is because... Like, Just in Shendo. Well, yeah, in Shendo. <laughs> but the, the, the combined IQ of Shendo might be 73. <laughs> that's, that's a high average. No, I'm saying combined. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm saying combined. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, we're gonna get a visit from Shendo. Somebody from Shendo. They're not gonna be able to find it. They're, they don't know how to get out the four six two. Now they're yelling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, but anyway, um, I, I don't think that's an issue anymore. That people actually buy it, because I mean, kayfabe has been dead forever. Yeah, kayfabe's been dead for a long time. Like I said I don't I. I don't know because, like I said, Undertaker never had to have crazy matches, the overly crazy matches, and don't bring up the freaking mankind one. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, that was Mick's doing. Yeah, but like I said, he didn't need to do that. You know, I mean, his match with Brock Lesnar, where they both like it was just two big men beating the hell out of each other. Yeah. You know that was good. They can do that. That was a great match. Yeah, but. Like I said, every, you know, you got the small guys in the business have to flip over everything and jump around and all that, and then the big guys just have to punch their way through everything. And, and I'm not you opposed know, to that. But you don't have guys like, now, I'm going to say this and just hear me out, like Scott Steiner, uh -huh. who is a huge human being at and in his prime, could jump off that top rope. Yes, but you're talking about... You're talking about when he started to become Big Papa Pump, right? Yeah. Holla if you hear me. <laughs> yeah, but I, if if you saw if you watched Steiner's stuff before that, when he was teamed up with his brother, I did, and I know how stiff he was. Well, he was stiff. Everything looked believable, um, because he was probably fucking potatoing the shit out of his opponents. But the thing is, Steiner wasn't as big as he got. And he was super athletic and could do the high-flying stuff. And he his role in the team with his brother at that point was he was almost the Ricky Morton of the team. He was the guy that was getting beat up to get the hot tag to Rick yeah. and for Rick to get the comeback. You know, he, he was the little brother. Yeah, I, I still think, I mean, they could, yeah, they'd have to pull it back slowly. 
Yeah, and it would it, if they even if they tried to pull it back slowly, it would probably take twenty years to get it back to where. So there's a chance. Yeah, I don't. Th- <laughs> I don't think so. It, it, it's a very slim chance, and I, I hate to say this, but the WWE brain trust they have an opportunity to dial back, but it's never going to happen as long as Vince is still alive, because mm. Vince will never retire. No, no, Vince will never retire. And with AEW, the problem with AEW is the guy who owns the company, Tony Khan, is nothing more than a money mark. That's all he is. He's a money mark. And he gave the guy, he gave Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Cody Rhodes, they're all executive vice presidents of the company. Okay. And Tony mm-hmm. Khan is an arm is an amateur booker at best. You watch an AEW show; the booking is so schizophrenic, it's it, it's nonsensical. And he he hired his friends, which is okay to a point. But when you got guys, and I'm gonna I'll I'll call a few of them out by name. When you have guys like Marco Stunt, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's no. part of a three-man group called the Jurassic Express. The Jurassic Jurassic Express is this big son of a bitch with a dinosaur mask on yeah. called, called Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus. And then Jungle Boy. And Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Yeah. And you have Marco Stunt. Okay. Marco Stunt is smaller than me. This dude is a legit like 5'4 and 120 pounds. All right. How do you expect me to believe... That he's going to have a competitive match with anybody mm-hmm. in the wrestling business. Jack Perry is billed at 160 pounds. Jungle Boy. Right. He's billed at 160 pounds. He's thin wiry. He's thin and wiry, but he's a great athlete. And you could make him a Ricky Morton type babyface with the right booking. Yeah. Then you have the best friends. Chuck Taylor and... Trent Beretta. Trent Beretta is a fantastic worker. Trent could be a star if he got away from Chuck Taylor, who is, he's just garbage. He's hot garbage. And they have another guy with them who has the potential to be an excellent, excellent wrestler. His name is Orange Cassidy. Okay, I've seen him. Okay. His gimmick is he's a slacker. He does, you know, he'll do all kinds of shit with his hands in his pockets. Like Yeah, I've seen that and it, I I can't believe he's doing top rope dives with, with his, his hands, hands in his, his pockets. pockets. Yeah, exactly. And the guy has talent. Orange Cassidy has talent. The gimmick is shit. I like the gimmick. He needs a mullet. I don't think even a mullet would help because he's not he's No, look look at what he has. He has a denim jacket. Right? The sunglasses, right? But mullet, he'd be my twin. No, he wouldn't. What do you mean, no? No, he he's skinny, you're chunky. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's 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 dial back the hurtful language there. Shitbag. I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sorry. I regret nothing. <laughs> um but our Orange Cassidy is you know, he's got a world of potential. If he would go to a good training school, if like a, a training program like WWE has for NXT, okay, 
If he would go to a place like that or the Monster Factory over in Paulsboro, okay? If he would go to the Monster Factory, get hooked up with a guy like Danny Cage who's trained so many good dudes. You know, over at the over there you've got Danny Cage is the head trainer. Um, he's done work with WWE. They've brought him in for seminars. He's done work with Ring of Honor. At one point, he was a Ring of Honor dojo. Um, the Blue Meanies there tra- teaching. Give this guy some, you know, get this guy some basics and some fundamentals. Orange Cassidy could be great. Um, but there, the the booking there is so freaking He's one of the most popular ones right now, isn't he? So I don't think you can take him off TV. No, you can't take him off TV. And he's... He's popular with that crowd. What do you mean that crowd? People who like AEW are going to be the people who like AEW. They're not going to draw in any new fans because their storylines aren't conducive to drawing in fans because there's not really any storylines. And when they do start a storyline, it ends way too quickly. Like they, they're... They had a thing going. They had a, pro, a short program going with John Moxley, who was Dean Ambrose in WWE. Yeah, John Moxley is their current world champion. They had a thing going with him and a dude named Eddie Kingston. Now, uh-huh. Mox, you know Eddie Kingston? Oh, I know Eddie Kingston from the NWA. Eddie Kingston is great. Man, I love Eddie Kingston. I, I he he is one of those guys that I I. I he, he seems like the type if you ask him for an autograph he'll stab you with the pen. And that's what I love about him. <laughs> he's you know he he is or he comes off as who he he portrays. You think Eddie Kingston is a fucking street scumbag who's going to stab you with a pen when you ask him for an autograph. They did it up they 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 had a very short program. I it only lasted a couple of weeks with Kingston and Moxley. You could have milked that for months. Mm. And it would have been great. And they would have had excellent matches. And they wouldn't have had to have the garbage match all the, you know, right off the bat. They could have done some regular matches, work some countouts, work some DQs, work some this and that, you know, and then you build up to the blow off match. You remember when a cage match was a blow-off match? I'm not sure what you mean by blow-off match. That's how you ended the feud. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that was supposedly like the big match that, yeah, that did it. Yeah. Now you're having the the first match in the first match in a program has some stipulation in it. You know, it's a falls count anywhere, or this or that. Ugh. You build up to that. Yeah. You build up to it. But that's another lost art. Yeah, well, I like I said, I, I, I love stipulation matches to a point. Me too. But as long as there's only one stipulation. Yes. You know, don't make it first blood, a first blood strap match. No. You know, don't make it something on a pole, false count anywhere. You know, just... Don't make anything on a pole ever. No. <laughs> well, I think that, like I said, the ones... When I say on a pole, I also lumping those the ones that are still like the things like the on the chain above the ring oh like a ladder match yeah because i still feel those are like about the same where you you need to climb up to get something you see i i I lump those together i like the ladder matches yeah i like the ladder matches if they're done well yeah i i 
I think I grown out of the ladder match only because it's like, I don't know. It, there's just so much potential for things to go wrong. Yeah, yeah, and and now the, a lot of times I've. Uh, a, f- a few times, I should say. I've seen them completely blow the pretense of it out of the water where, like, the referee... You'll see the referee there holding the freaking ladder so the guy can climb it. Yeah. You know, come on. Mm-hmm. But for my money, no ladder match that I've ever seen will ever beat Sean and Razor at WrestleMania 10. Because it was athletic. It was an excellent match. The, the ladder was used as a prop where it needed to be. There wasn't 17 ladders like you see now. Oh my God. That And now yeah. I, I noticed this. Uh, I was watching, um, I was watching WWE or no, it wasn't, was it WWE? I forget. who. Uh, yeah, it was. It was an NXT show. They did a ladder match for advantage in the war games pay-per-view. That's coming up this Sunday. They're putting color coded tape around the legs of the ladders. <laughs> so you can see, so they know which one is gimmicked. Yeah. It's... So they know which one is gimmicked. Um, you know, the ladder match between Sean and Razor, the ladder was used where it needed to be, where it made sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was a blow off match. This is how we're going to end the feud. We're going to decide who the, the true Intercontinental Champion is. There was one ladder, and they still told a story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just high spot after high spot. Yeah, that one, but that was one that started it with like, then they had to up it and up it and they keep upping it. Well, they, I, it really, the ladder match didn't really get upped until the Hardys and Edge and Christian and the Dudleys. I'm trying to remember who Eddie Guerrero was up against for something. Uh, I'm trying to, Eddie Guerrero ladder match. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, you know, I I can't think of it either, but another ladder match that comes to my mind where I saw something that was like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. Um, It was in WCW. I forget who Benoit was wrestling, but Benoit goes to climb the ladder and the ladder was supposed to be gimmicked that the rungs came out. Yeah. Well, they didn't. (laughs) They didn't come out. So you literally see Benoit stomp the freaking (laughs) rungs to break them. I'm like, oh, come on. You're better than this. Mm. And I'm not talking about Chris uh, Benoit being better than this. I'm talking about WCW production. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, a lot of a lot of times with a lot of those w- the mistakes in the ring, they, they do happen. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you got to roll with it and sometimes you. Exactly. But that's why I said the more things you have in there, the more likely the dumb stuff. And we've all seen the matches where the cage doesn't open. Yeah, you know, or it or something does open that shouldn't. Oh, uh, God, the uh, what the hell was it? It was that I think it was it was on a WCW pay-per-view. They had uh, the gimmick was there was an electric chair in the middle of the ring and there was a switch on the side of the cage. Yeah, the switch kept the falling. The switch kept falling and Cactus Jack goes up. <laughs> oh, shit. I got to put it back up and then pull it. Yeah, I mean, it's like. Those are the type of things that just, it's always going to go wrong. And, oh. Like the Shockmaster coming through the wall? Come Oh, that was funny. That was, I know that was wrong, but that's. Oh, God. That was one of the, that's, that's one of the funniest moments ever. I think, though, and now, 
the little that I watch kind of the the WWE stuff, the one thing that, that irritates me to this day, I remember when you would hit a ring post. Uh-huh. And it would look like it hurt. You know? Now the ring post is all electronic gear. Yep. It's I, I know boards. what happens to that stuff when you hit it. Yeah, it's all LED boards. Now. Yeah, but if you you don't you you can't hit those and not break them. So now when they hit, well, you didn't break anything. I know you're not hurt. Right. You know, at least before there was some, you know, even you know there was a semblance of oh my god. That sounded, and I know it's, you know, the the tricks of slapping this and slapping that. And how to take the bump. Yeah, but it looked good. Yeah. Now, you're smacking a piece of electronics. It didn't even glitch. Right. At least when they did that, when they would throw somebody through the LED boards at the entrance ramp. Yeah. They would go through the LED boards and they would black out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember who it was. Somebody came down the ring. This is a while back. He came down the ring and hit the LED board going into the ring and blacked it out, I think legitimately. I know what you're talking about, but I don't think it was an LED board. It was a, just a regular ring apron. No, this was a, the LED board. He 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 kicked it oh, going in. Oh, okay, he kicked it. Yeah, as he was getting to the ring, he kicked it, and it caused it to go out. And then they quick changed the angle to the hard cam. Oh, I, I'm... I'm thinking of another of another incident. You're thinking of the one where the guy dove under it. I'm and thinking was the of Lash's t- Titus O'Neil. Yeah, <laughs> no, he, that's not the one I'm talking. He about. freaking tripped coming to the ring. He got lucky because you know how a ring's built. Yeah, and right, oh, oh, Jesus, he God. he nearly hit the center support. That would have been bad. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I like I said when they they, I think there's way too many electronics around. As as cool as it looks. Not a fan. I, I'm I'm not big on it either. I like the old school ring posts. Yeah, you know I like the old school ring posts, old school ring skirts. Yeah, it's just it's just you know it's it's too much. Now I do love what WWE does with the graphics. I will give them props for that. Yes, when the rest you know the the Titantron almost becomes 3D on the screen. Yeah, and moves. Yeah, that's it's really neat. That's uh, fun. And it's, of course, you know, when Ryan was first started watching that, he was like, you know, how'd they get the big sword up there? No, there's not a big sword up there. <laughs> uh, I even wondered that. Because did they just bring that out? Where are they hiding that? Dude, can you imagine if they would have had that, like, when The Undertaker was running hard? Oh, man. What they could have done with Undertaker's entrances then? Well, how... Yeah, I, ne- I never want to know how they did it, but I loved when they did it, when they made the lightning strike. Yeah. I mean... That was so much fun to just see. They made the lightning strike. Yeah, that was that, that was really cool. And it, I I don't know how they did it either. Yeah, and I don't want to know. No. I don't want to know the science behind it. It was just cool that the Undertaker was able to call forth lightning. Right. I mean, with Kane, you knew how they did it. You know, you got oh. flash pots. Yeah. Oh, but Kane, I remember seeing, I remember seeing Kane live. Mm-hmm. And when that flash went off for his ring entrance... It was like a concussion bomb. Yeah, yeah. You felt it in your chest. And then when I heard they brought back Pyro, I'm like, well, that's good. But it's like, I <laughs> I remember when they overused it. Oh, yeah, dude. It, during the like the, 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 the heyday of the Attitude Era, yeah. way too much Pyro. Way too much. Because like WCW was using a ton of Pyro. 
So WWE is like, uh, let's do that too. Yeah. Oh, well, that was, you know, that was the good part about them both, the competition. Yeah. Uh, competition makes everything better. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, if one was doing, like I said, I wish I wouldn't have drink drinking the, drinking? Drinking. Yes, that's what we're drinking the Kool-Aid. Where I had to be WWF and not WCW. See, I watched both. Yeah, I didn't. I did. Because I was I was told WCW was bad. No. <laughs> some things in WCW were bad. But then again, <laughs> some things in WWE were bad. If you, if, WWE gave us man talk. If you if you look at yeah, I mean if you look at the WW, WCW video games, my God, the characters. Oh God. And they were all real. <laughs> Glacier. Glacier. Who was the who was the green guy? Mortis. Mortis. That was another one. And, and the thing is, and then the, oh, the the yeah. guy that played Mortis, Chris Canyon, great freaking wrestler. Canyon was awesome. After that, because I loved Canyon. Who better than Canyon? Yeah. But then the best part was that you had Hugh Morris, another great wrestler, who became General Hugh Erection. Hugh yeah, Erection. Yeah. It's like come on. Bill DeMott. Yeah. I mean, they were getting... I mean, they got silly with a lot of the... But like I said, I enjoyed... I enjoyed the career era of WWF, though, when everybody had a job. Oh, God. T.L. Hopper. <laughs> yep. Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Yep. Duke Drossy. Well, before he was Kane, he was Isaac Yankum, DDS. Yep. Everybody had a... Every, the every, goon. Yeah. Oh, what a waste. That what a waste of a talented guy. I know, but it was just it was great that everybody had like a, <laughs> and that was and, and they I, were and they were all job guys. Yeah, and I and I know that the, a lot of the the old school they hated all that, but I found it so entertaining. To well, just yeah, he's a plumber that becomes a wrestler. Well, the, the, you had what well, to T.L. Hopper, like I can understand why he did it. I mean the paycheck because at the time it was he was it was the it was uh, the dirty white boy Tony Anthony is who it was. Tony Anthony was the champion down in Smoky Mountain, like in Cornette's promotion. Yeah, and he wasn't making a whole lot of coin because it's a small regional promotion. You know, Cornette was paying him as well as he could, but when that Vince money comes out, oh yeah, you're gonna take it. But you know, I was never a big fan of the of the professional gimmicks. I like I said, I enjoyed them, and especially when you saw them morph over time. Okay, Triple H was the aristocrat; he right. never stopped being Triple H. Road Dog was the roadie. Well, no, he he didn't start as Triple H though. He was Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yeah, but it well obviously, but it was H H H. But yeah. But he was the aristocrat, the snooty British right. guy. Well, no, he was just a Connecticut blue blood. Yeah, but it was perfect. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, Bob Holly. Sparky plug. Yep. And he, he never really got away from that. He just kept changing his name. Well, until he became Hardcore Holly. Yeah. And then Hardcore Holly was Hardcore Holly. Yeah. And that, you know. But, but who was the other one you said? Oh, the Road Dog. Yeah, he, he was the he roadie. Was, he was Jeff Jarrett's roadie. Yep, and it was like... Well, you remember Test. Yes. The first time you saw Test, what was he doing? First time, he was a bodyguard. For Motley Crue. Okay. He he came out, he was, a, he was a bodyguard and a roadie for Motley Crue. That was also Diesel's thing. 
Uh, Diesel was Sean's bodyguard. Yep. I right. Mean, yeah, the profession wrestling was, was to me, fun. It, it, there wasn't a lot of storylines in there, you know, but like I said, it was a lot of fun. And, of course, my favorite wrestler of that whole era, he wasn't even a uh, profession guy, Al Snow. Ah. Uh, I, I, one of my favorite pictures I have is the picture of me with Al Snow from that freaking indie show in, in uh, the one indie show we went to in Jersey. Yep, and I saw him also in Panther Valley. Yeah. Him and the King. Oh, well, uh, him and Lawler. Him and Lawler. Let me tell you, Lawler's a dick. I've heard that. Okay, Al Snow, I mean, pretty much, and, and I understand these guys, you know, they make a little money on the side. And I don't ever, if if I'm interested in somebody, I'll buy their merch, I'll buy their autograph. They they did something great in the ring. They deserve that. Yeah. You know? Well, we were pretty much, you know, me and Andy, were, we just were going to thank them for showing up and putting on a great show. We had a great time. Al Snow, very courteous. You know, thanks for coming. We're doing it for you and all that stuff. Lawler turned his back on us. That's un. That's unforgivable. I mean, li- I mean, I mean, literally, we just wanted to thank him. He turned his back on us and walked away. That that's unforgivable. No, I mean, it's, it's like I I had no respect for him after that. I, I I can't say I blame you. I mean, you you remember the show we went to at the Palmerton High School? Yes. <laughs> I went up. I went up. I talked to Dreamer. I bought. In fact, I'm there wearing I'm wearing the shirt I bought that night. Yep. Uh, to, uh it's Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore shirt. We saw Tommy Dreamer wrestle at Palmerton High School in front of, what, 200 people? Yeah, that was a fun show. On a Saturday night. Yeah. The following Monday, Dreamer shows back up on Raw. Yeah, it was actually not too long ago because the memory just came up on my Facebook feed not too long yep, ago. Yep, me, you, and Andy me, in the ring. Us in the ring. Yep. That was a great show. Oh, that was a phenomenal show. I mean, the, the, the indie guys that put that on. I mean, Sam Adams. Sam Adams. And then uh, Homicide was there. Okay. Uh, Homicide was there. Snitsky, of course. Uh, you got to love Snitsky. No, I don't. I can I can be against him. You, dude, you remember how blown up he was like 30 seconds into the match? Yep. I thought they were going to give him the match. I thought it was going to turn into he was going to win the match because he stepped the entire Rumble outside of the ring. Yeah. They did, uh, they did like a Royal Rumble type match. Snitsky came out. He was in the ring for literally 30 seconds, maybe a minute, and then he's completely blowed up. He's out of the ring, dumping bottles of water on his head, Mm. sucking wind. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is not good. Yeah, and my first thought is, oh, my God, they're going to give it to him. Yeah. And luckily they didn't, and it was like they gave it to the local guy who dumped out Dreamer. Yep. Which was just awesome. Well, and that, and that's a totally Tommy Dreamer. Oh thing yeah, to do. oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, and and that was, I mean, dumped him right in front of us. Yep. So then we start telling him to hit the refs. Yeah, and, and that was <laughs> yeah, we were trying to get Dreamer to hit the ref. We got the chant going, hit the refs. Yeah, and and, and, and like I like I said, the refs staying right into. We're like, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. I mean, that was such an entertaining show. Oh yeah, the except for the people in front of us getting pissed off at the three of us for doing commentary. I don't think they were mad. I thought they were enjoying it. I know there was a group that was angry at us. I don't. Yeah, I. I because it re- might have been it. It might have been somebody else because I remember that when Sam Adams came out, he brought the roses for the girls. Right. And I was yelling, "Don't take that rose!" He ripped that up from the cemetery next door. Yes. And 
And, you know, he was even laughing at that. Yes. He enjoyed that. I mean, yeah, I, I, we, Andy and I have been accosted, well, not accosted, but talk to it, people at shows, to shut up. (laughs) Because we get way too into it. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, at that show, the three of us were, uh, we were running uh, live commentary, basically. Yeah, I thought the people in front of us thought we were being entertaining. I I th- I don't I know somebody got somebody told us to be quiet. Raritan, we got told. Yeah, I know we got told at Raritan because we got told to shut up. <laughs> Andy got told to shut up in Shendo. <laughs> this, and, oh, I love Andy to death. He, he we have a friend Andy Header. He does a a pirate wrestling character. Yeah, F- and Andy is just great. Well, Header, I'm gonna go. I, there's two of them now. Yeah, Header is awesome. Yeah, he's an awesome worker. Uh, and he has awesome characters. And Andy Galgosi decides to go to Michael's and buys a fake pirate hat. <laughs> this thing is just two pieces of felt put together with a one of those like flimsy cat toy feathers in it. Okay. I mean, it, it like costs a buck. And he's wearing this in support of Header, which is which is awesome in and of itself. Well, the people in front of us Header's a heel, right? I think he was the face. He might have been the heel. I don't know, but he he plays them both well. But these people in front of us were so pissed off at Andy wearing this pirate hat. <laughs> okay, and then they we spent the whole show arguing with them, and them arguing with us. I mean, if we get if we get Andy on this thing, we're gonna have to regale tales of this thing. How funny this night was. I mean, we we just completely. And the best part was the main event of the night. They were all yelling at us when the finisher happened. So they missed the finisher. And they missed the finisher. And we're standing up laughing. They're yelling. And we're like, well, you you missed the finisher. What? (laughs) We had such, we had, and like I said, that show, we got told to shut up. I had money thrown at me uh, because one of the wrestlers did a a thing where he, he was trying to get a heckler to shut up. So he threw a dollar at him. He said, go get yourself a hot dog. Get out of here. You know? And it's basically just telling, hey, you know, shut up. You're ruining my my uh, my promo. Well, the kid in front of me, I call him a kid because I don't know if he's 18, 19, whatever. He throws a dollar at me, tells me to just shut up. So, of course, I pick it up and say, I made a dollar. <laughs> so, that's, a total, that's the total heel thing to do. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it was, oh, my God. We had so much fun at that show. And then, of course, but at Shendo... These people really think, but they she, they were so mad at Andy. They, and they were telling us to shut up, stop yelling at a wrestling show. Really? Yeah. Uh, what what are we, a Japanese, are we a Japanese wrestling crowd? Even they get hyped. Now they do. I mean, it, like I said, I've had, oh, I've had so much fun at certain shows and some like the Sokol Hall show was the train wreck. Right. The, Honestly, though, if you and Andy would have been there, it would have been fun. If anybody would have been there besides me, we would have made it fun. Oh, I'm sure. Because when people are coming out and telling you to boo them because they're to heal. <sighs> that's not a good thing. Come on, guys. Do something. Yeah. I, sh- I should know you're the heel. Yeah. It's like, you know, I- and anybody that I know... If they invite me to a show, I'll make up a sign just so you can rip it up and throw it in my face. Yeah. I'll help you. I mean, I want this to happen. Yeah. You know, I, that's what I enjoy. 
And as I said, we have never done anything but try to help get the crowd into it. Right. Um, we're two hours into this. Holy shit. We are uh, two hours and eight minutes into this okay. episode. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. We- Let, let's put a bow on this. Yes, definitely. Since we've derailed from... We've derailed this train. We went from... TV show theme songs to comedians now into pro wrestling. Let's finish off with pro wrestling. Okay. You said you're a fan of stipulation matches. I never said that. Yes, you did. Did I? Yeah. I thought I said I didn't like stipulation matches. No, you don't like stipulation on stipulation. Okay, well, go with your thought. What's your favorite stipulation match? And I'm not talking about, like, a particular match. I'm talking about just... Texas Death. Honestly, match. honestly, I like the um, uh, triple threat matches. Triple threats? Yes, because everyone's working for themselves. Okay. You know, so you got to knock two people out. Okay. In order to to get whatever. Okay, now I got to draw a diff- I got to draw a line here. Are you talking triple threat matches where the first person to score pinfall wins or are you talking an old school like ECW three way dance where you got to beat both guys. Well, I think it's one in the same because, like I said, not really no, because, because if, if it's for a title, you go to pin the guy, the second guy's going to stop you. Okay, so you got to beat them both up. See, but they're different match. They're different matches because in a triple threat match. Okay, in a triple threat match, if I go to pin you. Andy's going to try to stop me. Right. Okay. In a three-way dance, ECW style, where it's eliminations, last man standing wins, if I go to pin you, Andy's going to let me pin you. All right. Then, like I said, the first one then. Oh, okay. So you're a fan, more a fan of the triple threat. Yeah. I like I like that where it's like you don't know. Like, everybody's doing their own thing. Yeah. And then helping each other out. It's almost like a mini Royal Rumble. Right. Because at one point, they're working together. And then to beat each other up. Okay, I got you. My favorite stipulation match of all time is, and it kind of ties into what's going on this weekend, sort of. Um, well, in some ways, is the original War Games match. Okay, the old school NWA War Games. Two rings, completely covered in a cage. There's a roof on the cage. Two guys start. It's two five-man teams. One man from each team starts. Five minutes. Then there's a coin flip to decide who gets the the one man advantage until all ten men are in. Okay, so every, then every two minutes you alternate teams. One guy comes in until all ten men are in the ring or in the two rings. Okay. Now the match really starts because the match can't end until all ten men have entered. Right. And the only way to win is submission or surrender. Okay. That's my favorite match of all time. I love the old school war games. Um, NXT brought it, but WWE brought it back in NXT. And this weekend they're doing their war games takeover show. Um, it's going to be good, but they've, they've, they call it modernized. I call it bastardized. The war games concept. There's no ring on the, there's no roof on the cage. Okay, there's no roof on the cage. But that way you can like you can 
have the guy do some really fucking crazy shit off the top of the cage. Like, uh, I want to say a year or two ago, Tommaso Ciampa hit an air raid siren, an air raid crash off of the top of the War Games cage through a table on Adam Cole. Just a crazy spot. Can't do that if there's a roof on the cage. But it can all now and now also the War Games match can end in a pinfall. Okay. No. I want my old school bloody ass War <laughs> Games cage match. And that's a that's another thing that pisses me off now with modern wrestling. Why are you getting mad at me? Sorry. That's another thing that pisses me off with modern wrestling. There's no blood in cage matches. What the hell? What's wrong with the people? Well, you got to be safe. I'd rather gig myself with a fucking blade than take some of these bumps. Your blood is icky. Blood's not icky. Blood helps tell a story. Yeah, that's you bleeding all over the floor. What's that story? Look, I, I, look, I have no wish one blood way or another. You know, I, was like, I, I, the best matches don't need blood. I've, I've never needed to see the flare crimson masks. I, it at in certain in certain I, matches, I gotta disagree. I don't know. I like I said, I just I think a cage match should be bloody. Ugh, I don't know. I I don't. I just like I'm not against it, but I don't need it either. That, that's the old school NWA fan in me, though. Mm. If you go back and watch the first Starcade, there's like eleven or twelve matches on the card. Mm-hmm. Don't correct me. I am not sure. No, correct them. <laughs> correct them. Send him emails. Oh no, not them. Pod at gmail dot com. Myspace.org. <laughs> no prodigy <laughs> um but anyway um like there there was there is a t- there is a time when blood can be overdone like the first starcade just about every match has blood that's overdoing it that's overdoing it but the the main event of the night was harley race and rick flair in a cage for the nwa title that should have been bloody and it was you know, I, I I would like to see a return to the old school in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's at this point that's indie indie wrestling. I mean, you can still see all that. I, when all this shit's over, there is some great stuff in York, Pennsylvania, and I'm going. Oh, no, we're going. Yeah, I mean, it's I I you know it's I know it's like a couple hours out, but I'm going. Yeah, and I cannot I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, I'll I'll go I'll be there with you. But anyway, um, I'm going to apologize for the schizophrenic nature of this episode, how it kind of went. No, no, I'm not going to apologize. We had fun. Yeah, this is what the show's about. This was a good time. I mean, we we try to do a topic, but eh, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. This is what, this is what happens when you get two guys, scatter, two scatterbrain guys just talking in a basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh uh, all right. Well, I'm I'm gonna call it a night. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Uh, drop us a line. Oh no, not them pod at gmail dot com, Facebook dot com slash oh no, not them. Not my space. I didn't, I didn't say it. I did not say. <laughs> you it. gave me the look. You were waiting for it. <laughs> you were waiting for it. Facebook dot com slash oh no, not them. Give us a like. Give us uh. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about, because we'll talk about anything. Hell, send us pictures so we can see what you look like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. 
send us pictures. Let's see what they, let's see what you look like. And that is not an invite for dick pics. Send those directly to Bill's email. No, no. Hey, if your name is Richard, don't be ashamed of it, okay? <laughs> That's as good a way as I need to close this thing out. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. I'm Eric. And I'm Bill. This has been Oh No, Not Them. Bye-bye.